The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 218 for Thursday, March 6, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. All right, we got a, a, a big show this week. We got to talk about... Uh, Last week's Bellator event, we got to talk about UFC's event on the Fight Pass. We got to talk about Raw, especially how, um, excuse me, how so many of us have kind of turned the corner on the CM Punk situation. Um, Our very own Quark wrote a crazy buried spotlight, which has been making its way around the web in regards to the CM Punk situation. Of course, we're always going to take your calls for that, and I'm sure Quark may be joining us to kind of dig a little deeper into that column on top of that we got a lot of gaming news this week things are starting to pick up we got a ton of entertainment news including a large amount of sequel news we may even have some what the fuck movie news for this week and of course we will be taking your calls but before we get into that just a couple of things i wanted to get into this week i actually got a message on the mtr feedback line didn't want to play it on air um as per the request of the person who left it uh but john left a message pretty much stay asking if it was possible to do MTR daily, uh, primarily because MTR on a daily basis would allow uh, different types of news to be touched on on a daily basis. And I've talked about this at length, but he did state that he was a new listener. He started listening um, right around episode 198 or 199. So he's been in the game, but not too much. So I want to get into that a little bit. Uh, One of the reasons why I don't do MTR on a daily basis, and I know some of you guys have, have would love that uh, is just because my work schedule doesn't allow it and it takes a decent amount of prep for the three hour show and I would have to spread that prep across uh, pretty much every day and in a way it would be good because it would lead to shorter shows but I, al- I also feel that it's oversaturation doing it once a week it gives you guys a date and a time every week to look forward to much like a regular TV show or anything else that you guys watch, you guys know that that's your schedule, that's what you got to look forward to, and that's how it is. Now, of course, 
should my schedule change or things change, there there may be times where we'll be able to give um, more you know more emphasis to to other episodes. But uh, most of the time, it's going to be standard MTR episodes. I do release short form ones, which are MTR and sixty, which are obviously roughly about an hour plus MTR beyond the mic and MTR behind the mic, which we're going to be bringing back for a new season now for 2014, uh, trying to book a, a whole bunch in, a, you know, a whole bunch of different uh, interviews from a couple of different personalities. we got some cosplayers on deck. Uh, we want to talk to the guys from the Fat Startup. We also want to talk to Noel Brown, who we're trying to set up an interview with him, uh, courtesy of our affiliates at Unveil. And we got a ton of stuff to discuss. I actually... Um, I'm working on a couple of reviews and uh, we got a box from Loot Crate at Toy Fair. For those of you that don't know, Loot Crate is a service that you sign up for similar to, you know, Netflix, Gamefly, stuff like that. Except every month you get a little package full of geeky, uh, tchotchke things. It could be T-shirts, comics, uh, Funko figures, uh, different things. And I actually recorded an unboxing for my Loot Crate and... We should be setting up an interview with those guys in the near future, and hopefully we can work on something with them as well. Uh, we're going to try and do some giveaways because the MTR prize closet is a little full. Um, there's a couple of things that that I definitely got to get rid of. Uh, I see Jay is, is talking about still waiting on his swag. Uh, hopefully, if all works out, Jay will be covering the Valkyrie women's wrestling event, and hopefully he will be able to get some swag or maybe catch a DDT uh, from a female wrestler at one of those events. We'll see how how that pans out. Uh, we also are going to try and work on going to a special New York Comic Con that they're going to do dedicated primarily to comic books uh, versus uh, the regular New York Comic Con in October, which is the furthest thing from comic books. This one's going to be, I believe it's called Special Edition NY, and it's going to focus primarily on the comic book sector of things. So hopefully we'll be able to cover that and give you guys some details as the event draws near. If we're going to cover it, we will make sure to let you guys know. Uh, also, speaking of Toy Fair, a lot of vendors have been reaching out to us um, primarily to discuss some of the pictures and stuff we put on our fan page. You guys um, you guys can definitely check out all the pictures from Toy Fair, all the different vendors. Hopefully, we'll be working with them in the future, doing some different things, and we'll be able to share that stuff with you guys. Okay, so... I, I actually have a monologue this week kind of delve that kind of delves into my my personal life. And I wanted to share this with you guys because it's a very, very creepy and, and just weird situation. But you guys know last Thursday I said, you know, that um, it was it, it made uh, 14 years since my mother passed away. So um, I went Saturday to pay my respects. And for those of you that don't know or that know me personally, um, the last couple of times that I've gone uh, she's in a, a mausoleum, and the way these mausoleums are set up is that it's a, a it's a it's a square, and each there's you know five squares in a row. Each square is a person. Now the way it's laid out is you know it has the person's name, uh, when you know when they were born, when they uh, passed away, and you know whatever they put on there. In my mother's case, it has her photo. Anyway. With that, there is a vase, which is probably about the size of this monster can that goes on the slab. So when I went Christmas Eve uh, 2013, the, um, the vase that was there 
was switched out. So of course, I got pissed off. I went. I got a new vase. Mother's Day, before that, before Christmas Eve, the vase was missing. So go there Saturday, pull up, walk over. What's not there? The vase yet again. Now, the reason the reasoning that that it's it's just incredibly frustrating for me is for a couple of reasons. If if you're Hispanic and you grew up in a predominantly Hispanic household, you know the views of messing with stuff that belongs to the deceased. I'm sure Jay Jay can relate to this in some respect. You know, you you don't you don't turn on the radio when you go into the cemetery, you don't you don't take anything from there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever the case is, this person decides that either the person whose vase they're going to visit is messed up or it's broken. So they just grab a nice shiny new one that's on my mother's mausoleum and use it for their own. So like I said, Mother's Day, I was incredibly pissed off and uh, Christmas Eve, forget it. But Saturday, Saturday, I figured I'm going to I'm going to figure out how this who this person is. So I went to the office, stated my case. The guy already knew why I was there and they gave me a new vase. So this vase is a little different than all the other ones. It has a different um, kind of a, a different pattern. So what I did was I took a green, obnoxiously green Sharpie and I wrote my mother's last name on the vase and I placed it. I kid you not, if I go back there for Mother's Day and I see the vase anyplace else, I'm going to take a piece of paper and I'm just going to write thief and stick it on the mausoleum where the vase is. Like that, that's how it's going to be. It's just, I'm just going to publicly shame that person. And God help me if I catch them. If I catch them, it's going to be, you know, hydrofluoric acid and a plastic drum or just a, a new resident at the cemetery because it's, it's ridiculous. You know, you don't steal from the dead. So it's, uh, it was an incredibly frustrating situation. And I figured I'd share that with you guys because that's the kind of weird shit that happens in my day to day. Anyway, on a lighter note, let's get into what we're going to be talking about this week. Uh, we got this past weekend's UFC event. We're going to talk about Bellator and Rampage and King Moe's face-off post-fight, which what which was so fucking scripted. And, and, it, and it was absurd how scripted it was. Uh, we're also going to get into the TRT debate, which took a different turn this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Ronda Rousey, who, by the way, is our fighter of the month for the month of February. This is the second February in a row that she has been fighter of the month. Just a, an interesting observation that I came across when I published Ben's post this week. Also, we're going to get into a lot of wrestling stuff. Of course, we're also going to talk about this week's gaming news, including the departure of Jack Trenton from, from Sony. We're going to talk a little bit about Arkham Knight. We're going to definitely get into that. And we're going to talk about your entertainment news. And of course, we will be taking your calls. So without any further ado, let's talk some MMA, shall we? My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Pick up rash guards, your favorite fighter t-shirts, and all your other training gear from MMAWarehouse.com. Make sure to look for their banners on MyTakeRadio.com. Also want to give a shout out to our friends at East Coast MMA. 
here in uh, New York, in Long Island, as a matter of fact, and they have a second location in Brooklyn, and they put out a ton of kick-ass gear. I want to try and go over there and pick up some Roots of Fight t-shirts, especially the Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson t-shirts, so definitely a shout-out to those guys as well. Okay, so let's talk about the two uh, big MMA events that went down this week, and of course, uh, the first one was UFC uh, in China. It was the Ultimate Fighter China finale. Uh, the main event, of course, was a five-round welterweight bout between uh, Dong Young Kim and John Hathaway. Now, the the funny thing about this card is that the Ultimate Fighter China was, you know, people watched it and and people had differing opinions about it. I caught a couple of episodes. It was okay. I definitely liked that they, you know, the UFC is expanding into other regions and trying to create uh, brand new stars. And they definitely had a lot of fighters that were noteworthy on this card. One of my favorites, Hatsu Hioki, squared off against the always dangerous Ivan Menjivar. Uh Hatsu Hioki took that fight via unanimous decision. Uh, very good performance from him in all three rounds. Matt Mitrion fought Sean Jordan on the heavyweight side of things. Matt Mitrion with a nasty KO, uh, pretty much a little dirty boxing, which stunned Jordan. Then it was pretty much a couple of clean shots, and then he just crumbled. Dan Mergliata had to jump in and save him. Uh, tough break. You know, I feel bad for Sean Jordan. He's a dangerous guy, 15-5 and five record, a veteran, uh, taken, taken out by Matt Mitrione. Mitrione definitely making a statement. Uh, the tough China welterweight uh, finale was Wang Sai taking on Zhang Li Peng. Now, the funny thing was that there were uh, differing opinions on this fight. Some people felt that Li Peng, um, you know, Li Peng kind of got, got it handed to him just because Wang Sai was uh, definitely very, very dangerous in the third. And even in the second round a little bit, he definitely had a lot of, a lot of solid technique in the, um, in the second round. But the welterweight winner of the Ultimate Fighter China is Zhang Peng via split decision. Uh, Sai was given one round, 30-27, uh, 29-28 for Li Peng uh, from uh, the other two judges, and Kung Li awarded him the trophy. Now, of course... The highlight real finish came courtesy of Stun Gun, uh, Dong Young Kim, who took out the, the very, very talented John Hathaway, a guy who's not given um, a lot of credit, but definitely is a very, very exciting fighter to watch. Dong Young Kim used a beautiful, beautiful backspinning elbow that knocked out John Hathaway, put him to sleep cold. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful spinning elbow. Um, if Slick is in the chat, if he could pull that up, it would be great. It was the um, Ultimate Fighter China uh, Stun Gun Kim spinning elbow. Maybe you'll be able to pull that up. But either way, it's it was just a crazy, crazy technique from him. And he's just definitely making a case for himself to challenge for the title at 170. Uh, Stun Gun definitely looked good in the first and second rounds. But when round three began, Hathaway did turn it up a little bit. Started with a beautiful leaping knee strike. And, um, you know, uh, stun gun, very aggressive, calling him on, uh, telling him to bring it. And all of a sudden it was, uh, you know, John Hathaway took him alongside the cage, at which point stun gun spun around a beautiful spinning elbow. And he just crumpled. He was out cold. Uh, the crowd went fucking bananas and definitely a strong, strong case for stun gun in the welterweight division. I was very, very impressed. It was a great ending uh, for a card that was not getting the press that it deserved considering it was the UFC's expansion into China. 
Meanwhile, on the Bellator side of things, well, yeah, let's let's talk about it in detail. So, of course, we had our light heavyweight tournament semifinals as well as our featherweight quarterfinal bouts. Um, the thing, the thing about this is that we all know that Bellator needs King Mo and Rampage to get to the finals. And sure as shit, that's exactly how it went. King Mo took his fight uh, 29-28 across all cards. And, um, you know, it was a good performance. Uh, Mikhail Zayats looked really good. Uh, but Mo, Mo was definitely working his striking uh, really, really aggressive going into the, the third round. So it was pretty much academic at that point with King Mo heading into the finals. Uh, Bjorn Rebney also made the announcement that Michael Chandler and Eddie Alvarez 3 will be taking place May 17th live on pay-per-view. Of course, if you guys remember, Tito and Rampage were supposed to fight on pay-per-view, but Tito's skull got uh, pulled pulled apart by the succubus known as Jenna Jameson, and the fight was canceled, at which point the pay-per-view was moved to cable because nobody wanted to fucking buy it at that point. Anyway, uh, the main event, of course, uh, Christian Mfumbu taking on Quentin Rampage Jackson. Rampage with a beautiful TKO, uh, definitely working the striking. He dropped them clean, at which point Rampage used the aggressive ground and pound, and Big John stopped the fight. Uh, beautiful, beautiful stoppage. Rampage got three clean shots in, and uh, Christian Mfumbu's eyes rolled into the back of his fucking head. So we know that the stoppage was legit. Rampage, of course, cuts himself a nice wrestling-style promo, talking about that he's a monster and he's going to take everybody out. King Mo enters the cage. We get a little pull-apart, which was about as scripted as scripted can be because think about it. These guys had beef. They squashed it. Then all of a sudden, they're back in Bellator, and you just can you can sense how, 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 how manufactured it was. Now, don't, don't be misunderstood here. The, you know, don't get me wrong. Rampage and King Mo is the fight. It is the fight to watch. And I would not be shocked if they save the fight for those between those two for the May 17th pay-per-view because that is a fight that people want to see. Now, the crazy thing is, this isn't even a fight for a title. The winner of this fight between King Mo and Rampage is going to go on to face Attila Vey, who is the champion. So there you have it. Jay says, I smell a TNA tie-in. You know what's crazy? I wouldn't even fucking doubt it. Mind you, neither one of these two guys have been on TNA programming in how long? They don't even mention Bellator on air anymore, barely. So the fact that both guys are training to be wrestlers and are also part of Bellator, it's, it's you know, even Stevie Wonder could see that this is a fucking no-brainer. But again, Rampage and King Mo is the fight we all want to see. Everybody wants to see this fight. And I'm and I'm and I'm I'm okay with that. Now, if you want people to spend money for pay per view on May seventeenth, you're gonna need to step your game up because as much as I like Michael Chandler and Eddie Alvarez three, and as much as I like King Mo and Rampage, that's not enough to get me to drop sixty dollars. So Bellator, you need to impress to get people to 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 pick up this card. I'm telling you, Tito Jenna, uh, putting putting and Tito's social security check on a pole match, something, but. You want to know you want to know what's a great idea? Speaking of what Jay said, why don't you take the lockdown pay-per-view and make it half wrestling, half MMA? I guarantee you 
people would buy that because you already have the cage set up, make the cage shaped like the octagon and then just swap it out or let them fight in a ring for that fight. I think that's a great way to get a, a to get the, both companies some exposure because at the rate we're going, Bellator keeps picking up the, the, the UFC cast offs. And yeah, they got a couple of guys that are very talented, but what Bellator is not doing is expanding beyond the, the 12 guys that we see fight in these tournaments. We're starting to see some more fighters, but it, it almost feels like it's, it's, it's a rerun when you watch these tournaments. If you're building this relationship with TNA, why not do something co-promoting TNA and Bellator together? Like the lockdown pay-per-view would have been perfect. You already have the matches. Excuse me. You already have the matches taking place in the cage. So why not have the fights? on the same card. You take maybe two two MMA fighters, you know, you do King Mo and Rampage on that fight, and maybe you do one title fight, and then you get three or four wrestling matches. That's it. As a matter of fact, you just defend all three TNA major titles and the Bellator titles. That's it. It gives people incentive to want to order a pay-per-view. It makes people interested in seeing the relationship between Bellator and TNA, and it shows that Spike TV is thinking outside of the box. It, you have to look at it like this. Viacom is dispensing money left and right, left and right, trying to pick up the, you know, the Rampage Jacksons, the King Moes, the Stings, the Kurt Angles, the Jeff Hardys, because they want that appeal. They want that exposure. You know, that's, that's kind of the way I felt that it should have been. If you're going to go into a relationship with two different entities on your network, you got to find a common ground. One thing that WWE does very well with, you know, with their relationship with TN, with uh, USA, excuse me, is that you see uh, guys from their programs pop up. You see different things that really, you know, that really work out, that, that really just kind of make it a synergy. It doesn't always work, but there are instances where WWE's promotion of USA programming is effective and it works. I think TNA can learn something by utilizing Bellator and kind of bringing both audiences together. I mean, it's one of the things where I have a lot of you guys that are wrestling fans that watch MMA, and then I have a lot of MMA fans who have been kind of gravitating towards wrestling just based on the conversations and because it's very easy for both to intertwine. That's how I see it. I think it's it, there's a great opportunity there for TNA to do something unique and something different. But again, in the words of Jay, this is TNA we're talking about. Anyway, let's get into the other MMA news for this week. Of course, we got some fight bonuses for the China finale. Uh, fight of the night bonus went to uh, Yui Chul Nam taking on Kazuki Tokodome for fight of the night. Uh, performance of the night went to Stun Gun Kim. And the other performance of the night bonus went to Matt Mitrione. Each one of those individuals received... 50, 50, 50K. Excuse me. I was uh, stuttering there for a minute. $50,000. All right. So TRT exemptions, it's, it's spreading. It's spreading the, the, the end of the TRT era. Um, pretty much the athletic, the athletic commission in Brazil has followed the ruling of the Nevada State Athletic Commission and will be banning exemptions for TRT. UFC's Dan Henderson will be the final fighter to receive a TRT exemption when he fights 
Shogun Hua on March 23rd. So Brazil is following suit, much like Nevada. And there's a couple of other states we'll be talking about. TRT is going to be extinguished. So there you have it. One thing about that, and and this is the crazy part, and when I tell you it's going to affect a lot of fighters in a bunch of different ways, and we're going to talk about that later on in the segment, and I'm sure GFQ Human will be very, very opinionated in that regard. Going back to Bellator, they have an event tomorrow night, Bellator 111. Uh, There will be a bantamweight title fight between Eduardo Dantas and Anthony Leone. And also the season 10 heavyweight tournament opening rounds begin with LeVar Johnson taking on Ryan Martinez, Peter Graham taking on Ciala Siglia, Mark Halata taking on Alexander Volkov. The prelims will be on Spike.com. Once again, championship fight, Eduardo Dantas, Anthony Leone for the bantamweight title. And that main card begins on Spike TV at 9 p.m., The prelims begin on Spike.com at 7 p.m. I'm a little bummed. I wanted to have the weigh-ins for this fight on MyTakeRadio.com earlier today. I don't know what's going on with Spike TV and Bellator, but they they didn't have a player for us to put the weigh-ins on the site. Hopefully, we'll be able to get the prelims on there. But if we don't, you know, unfortunately, it's something that's unavoidable and out of my control. In addition to that, we also have a UFC event this weekend, UFC Fight Night 37, airing at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, Alexander Gustafson is in the main event, taking on Jimmy Manua. Melvin Gallard is taking on Michael Johnson in a fight that's definitely starting to pick up a lot of steam leading into this Saturday. Uh, Brad Pickett and Neil Siri and Omari Akhmedov taking on Gunnar Nelson. The prelim card will also be on the UFC Fight Pass. That's the portion that starts at 12.30. The main card starts at 3. Uh, Cyril Diabati will be fighting on that card. Luke Barnett will be on that card, as will Roland Delorme and Louis Gadnot. Again, that action begins Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the main card going down at 3 p.m. So take notes. Bellator tomorrow night, 9 p.m. UFC Fight Night 37 on UFC Fight Pass at 12.30. Another UFC card that's coming together and the main event was announced earlier this week was UFC Fight Night 40. That's actually scheduled for May 10th and that's airing on Fox Sports 1. The It will see Matt Brown facing Eric Silva. So definitely a very, very uh, big fight for both fighters. I think Matt Brown, if he does secure a victory, will make a pretty strong case for himself to challenge for the title at 170. So definitely keep an eye on that. Again, The UFC Fight Night 40 goes down May 10th. Also, uh, a fight that was rumored for the last couple of days is official. Stipe Miocic will be taking on Junior Dos Santos as part of the co-main event for UFC 173. Of course, the big one is the middleweight title fight between Chris Weidman and Lyoto Machida. UFC 173 goes down May 24th in Vegas. Of course, the main card on pay-per-view and the prelims on Fox Sports 1 and UFC Fight Pass. All right, so Chael Sonnen, one guy who is definitely going to be affected by the TRT ban is Chael Sonnen. Now, a lot of people are talking about this because in Chael's case, he actually has a medical condition that requires his TRT exemption to the point where if if his doctor advises him otherwise, Chael may need to retire. 
Now, you guys are going to be tripped out about this, but this is how crazy it is. Um, on UFC Tonight, Chael was saying about the TRT ban, and he said, um, if it doesn't work, I may have to stop the sport. It's as simple as that. He said, the problem is it's a little bit early. It's a little early. I don't know myself. I know I have to sit down with my team and my management and also talk to my doctors and figure out if it's going to impact my health not being able to use TRT. Now, the reasoning for this is because Chael isn't like um, the other guys that are getting TRT post-surgery. On the contrary, in Chael's case, he he suffers from a disease called hypnogonadism, which is where the body stops naturally producing testosterone. He was diagnosed with this condition in 2008, and he's been granted TRT usage exemptions since then. uh, He did serve a one-year suspension in... um, I believe it was 2000 and, uh, 2010 because he, he tested positive for elevated levels of testosterone when he fought Anderson Silva. He served a one-year suspension, but he does have a medical condition with that. And I'm actually going to share that with you guys if you want to look it up on Wikipedia and see what the deal is. That's the case. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate in Chael's case because he does... He does require it for medical reasons. I mean, that's there's no arguing that. There's a medic, the medical professional said he has a condition. This is why he needs it. In any case, uh, Chael is scheduled to fight Vanderlei uh, May 31st. Um, basically, the th- this is very, very, very interesting because legitimate cases for fighters that use TRT are things that need to be looked at a little differently than instances where guys are using TRT uh, simply because they are asking for the exemptions. Now, again, talking about TRT, there are instances where people have added, you know, low levels of testosterone. It does happen, but there's a lot of guys that are juiced. And one of the side effects from doing roids is you may get low testosterone and you need to level off. But in Chael's case, he does have a condition. So it's, it's worth looking into. Now, of course, this opens up the Pandora's box of Chael going into professional wrestling. Let's, let's look at it this way. Chael Sonnen is 36 years old. 36. For Chael to get into wrestling at 36 years old, it's, it's definitely, it can be done, but you have to ask yourself, will the rigors of professional wrestling affect Chael in such a way that he will be more, he will not be as successful as he was in MMA. Think about this: Kurt Angle made the jump to, you know, professional wrestling from from you know Greco-Roman Olympic style wrestling, and he was incredibly successful. But he was also younger. Jay brings up a valid point referencing DDP because DDP obviously was older when he got into professional wrestling. GFQ Human says that he would be a novelty. But I'm curious, and I, and I want to ask you guys, if Chael made the, the commitment and went to the WWE, do you think Chael has the potential to be up there with guys like Kurt Angle and guys like Brock Lesnar? And when I say that, I'm talking about guys who have a, a legitimate pedigree in wrestling that make the transition very easily. I'm curious. Val says, I don't think so. See, I do feel that if Chael comes in there He knows how to present himself. He knows how to talk on camera. He knows the right things to say. 
Not to mention that his wrestling pedigree does give him an edge. Think about all the guys that have come through with a legit wrestling background that, that have been successful. Kurt Angle, Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin, uh, Charlie Haas. I can, I, can go, I can go down the list of guys that have legit wrestling capabilities that really pick up the, the professional aspect, you know, the entertainment aspect very easily. Now, Val says, I think if Chael went in and trained seriously, he could be a convincing wrestler. GFQ Human says he's a good promo talker. And, you know, Val says and or entertainment and or entertaining. Now, here's the funny thing. Of course, Quark, uh, you know, Quark says Chael comes back as fake CM Punk because I know that's what's coming like fake Diesel. You know what the funny thing is, though? Chael and CM Punk are friends and it, I'm, I would not be shocked if Chael made the jump. I wouldn't be shocked. It, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even bat an eyelash if they said, "Oh, Chael is heading to NXT and is retiring from mixed martial arts." It would be. It would be tremendous. And I think in the UFC's case, um, they're always going to have a spot for Chael, but the need to compete is just. It's just too great, and Chael is too much of an entertainer to not be able to to do what he does. It's. It's crazy. It's definitely crazy, and it's a story that I will be watching with much interest, especially because he's got that fight with Vanderlei around the corner on May 31st. Also, uh, the California State Athletic Commission also banned TRT. So there's definitely no TRT in California. Now they, they're following suit with Nevada and Brazil. So there you have it. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy time. A lot of guys that are relying on TRT are either going to have to step their game up or they're going to have to get out of the sport just because it's not it's not something that's going to work. Now, the crazy thing is that there's a couple of of different articles put out and there was one that was written for by the Bleacher Report which was very very interesting because they interviewed a doctor uh Dr. Neil Goodman. It's a, he's a practicing endocrinologist and he is the chairman of Reproductive End- Endocrinology Scientific Committee for the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists. Now, this guy, he knows the nuts and bolts of testosterone. So Fightland interviewed him on Monday and asked about how fighters would be able to adjust if they're no longer eligible for TRT. Now, like I've said, there's TRT that's needed and then there's TRT that's not required. In this case, he said the following, and I quote, every single guy whose exemption is getting taken away is going to come up with very low testosterone and they won't be able to compete at least on the level that they had been competing at previously. Every guy that goes to the commission and stops getting these exemptions, they're going to have to get testosterone just to keep normal. They won't be able to compete because their testosterone will plummet. Their muscle strength will decline. They'll put on some fat weight. Their moods will become depressive. They'll experience fatigue. It's going to be horrible. I feel bad for them. It's going to be misery. I'm not saying all the guys are going to have serious problems. It depends on what they've been on and how much they've been taking, as well as what other drugs they've been on. It is definitely a mixed bag. So there you have it. This is, this is going to affect a lot of fighters differently. There's going to be guys who are, you know, who, who are going to adjust, and then you're going to have guys who are just going to be in the shithouse. Simple as that. Now, the way I see it is, like I said, in Chael's case, if he's got to retire, he has a promising career as an analyst, and of course, there's always WWE. So there we go. That's 
that's the last of the TRT talk for this uh, for this week's MMA segment. The last bit of MMA news I wanted to talk about was Ultimate Fighter Season 6 winner and uh, 13-time UFC veteran Mac Danzig announced his retirement from MMA via his blog. Um, I'm kind of bummed only because Mac Danzig was a, was a pretty cool fighter to watch. He really understood, uh, you know, the psychological aspects of the sport, and he really did leave on his own terms. But he's definitely going to continue training and teaching, so he will be involved in the sport. Um, you know, he the, the only thing is he lost his last three fights, including a knockout at the hands of Melvin Gillard. He went five and eight in the UFC with an overall twenty-one and twelve professional record. Uh, definitely bummed to see Mac Danzig go, uh, but you know he's he, he was a solid fighter, and I'm sure he's going to apply his talents to future fighters and help the sport out that way. All right. So that's actually going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of wrestling to discuss. So definitely after we're finished with, with Raw, I, uh, I definitely got to invite our very own Quark to call in because this, this is going to be a very, very interesting segment. But let's not take my word for it. Let's hear from Booker T. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! So let's let's get into Monday Night Raw, which which started off with a fucking bang. And of course, that was because Cult of Personality hit as soon as the show started in Chicago. Everybody lost their collective fucking minds and they were disappointed, not because the savior of the WWE CM Punk did not show up but because Paul Heyman came out and essentially trolled the WWE audience. Now, before I get into the the meat and potatoes of that segment, I really would like to uh, share Paul Heyman's promo because it definitely was, without a doubt, some of the the best mic work out of Mr. Heyman this week. And I'm hoping that WWE does have it because... They've been a little stingy lately with their promos and sharing them on WWE.com. And most times their YouTube channel hasn't been sharing them either. Like right now I'm going through it and I'm not seeing it, but I think we have it. Do we have it? Uh, Brock Lesnar, March 3rd. Nope. I thought they had it on here. They have Sheamus and Christian. They have the shield, but they do not have Paul Heyman's promo. In any event, Paul Heyman's promo was without a doubt the the uh, the masterpiece of Monday Night Raw, and I'll tell you why. 
when Quark wrote his column, Quark is a a, a hardcore CM Punk fan, and Jay kind of got the ball rolling last week, and then Quark unleashed a verbal barrage about the best in the world. Now, here's 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 how you have to look at this. CM Punk has been afforded a lot of opportunities. He's been afforded opportunities monetarily. He's been afforded opportunities from a merchandising standpoint. He's been afforded mainstream opportunities. It's not like the guy is perpetually being shit on. On the contrary, he is, without a doubt, you have to look at WWE. Think of WWE like, like a triangle. You have your John Cena, your CM Punk, and your Daniel Bryan. And the reason I put Daniel Bryan on the bottom is because management has no belief in him. CM Punk is your guy. He, he, Yes, you cannot make him the face of your company. As much as you want him to be, he is not the face of your company. Now, with regards to him being the best heel in the business, absolutely. CM Punk has tons of potential to be the greatest heel the company has ever seen. Why? Because what he speaks is nine times out of ten truth sprinkled with professional wrestling undertones. And what I'm saying is when he comes out there and he talks about John Cena getting preferential treatment, yes, it is true. But it also is part of the bigger picture. Now, CM Punk, thank you. Thank you for that share, Jay. Thank you very much. What what gets me about this entire turn of a, you know, this entire chain of events is the fact that when you look at Sorry about that. Automatic play did not work. Anyway, thank you, Jay. When you look at this promo and you hear what Paul Heyman says, you're you're gonna agree. Much like people wrote when they saw Quark's column today, you're going to agree. And like I said, before I break this down, I want you to hear the words of the mastermind himself, Mr. Paul Heyman. Seven hundred thirty-one WWE fans, and tonight Armageddon is upon us oh. by order of WWE CEO Triple Max. Daniel Bryan faces. Quite the person the WWE fans were expecting here. 
in Chicago, Illinois, but we are off to a raucous start on Raw. Well, you're right. Who would have expected to see Paul Heyman when CM Punk's music plays? Punk, of course, a native of Chicago. I came here tonight to tell the story of a Paul Heyman guy. Oh, of course the video cuts off because that's what they do. Anyway, unfortunately we couldn't get a, a, a complete video. It happens. Nonetheless, Paul Heyman pretty much said CM Punk in essence screwed CM Punk. That let's let's just let's just call it like it is. Paul Heyman put CM Punk screwed CM Punk, and he used it as an opportunity to advance Brock Lesnar's appearance on Monday Night Raw. Once again, this isn't just Paul Heyman using it as a segue for Brock Lesnar. This is Paul Heyman being utilized because he's the only guy that could have effectively cut this promo without burying CM Punk. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, but why doesn't the WWE just bury him outright? The reason WWE does not bury CM Punk is because there is still hope that CM Punk will return. This is because of Vince McMahon, not because of Triple H, because if Triple H has had his way, CM Punk would have been given the fucking boot, and that would have been it. The problem is that when you look at a guy like CM Punk, he falls in that same in that same genre as Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, you know, guys that are larger than life. But to quote what Quark said, you know, you're 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 a spoke in the wheel. The spoke in the wheel isn't better than the wheel itself. And that's what it is. CM Punk is a cog in a machine, a very great, a very great cog, but still a cog. Quark is like, don't compare him to Steve Austin. No, fuck that, because Steve Austin didn't want to fucking do the job to Brock Lesnar, and he went the fuck home still. But he walked out. He, it doesn't matter whether it was for one day or one week. I didn't get my way. I'm going the fuck home. That's it. I can compare him to Austin because Austin did the same thing. We forget these guys are employees. 
They're employees. They're, they are independent contractors, but they are employees. They are employees. Your boss tells you to do something. If you're getting paid a fuckload of money, begrudgingly or not, you do it. If you don't do it, then you quit. And therein lies the problem. CM Punk didn't quit. CM Punk said, fuck it, I'm going home. And that's where I where I personally have an issue. Because if you're gonna do if you're gonna quit, if you're gonna do it right, then fucking leave. Be like, yo, I want out of my contract, I'm done. Now, of course, Vince is Vince is trying to salvage it, and he feels that CM Punk is just burned out. Maybe that's the case. I mean, I saw an article on Bleacher Report that said that the guy's probably burned out, and that's it. But to give credit to what Quark said, this is Daniel Bryan's time. This is Daniel Bryan's moment. And much like Stone Cold and The Rock were able to coexist, I feel Punk and Bryan could exist. And that's my issue. For, for If it's a question that CM Punk doesn't feel he can coexist with Daniel Bryan, then he's a fool. He is a fool. Both guys can coexist and they can own the company. They can own the company. Jay says if CM Punk is burned out, that is understandable. Yes, it is. It is understandable. But it is also understandable that you could just say, listen, I'm burned out. I need a couple of months off. Write me off a of television. That's it. You know, that's how that's that's how I see it. it there you there it is. Issue a statement. Issue a statement. Just say, hey, listen, I'm burned out. I want to go home and try some some Kama Sutra tricks on AJ since she's incredibly flexible. I need a couple of months off. That's it. And you write the guy off television. You don't just walk off randomly and, and end it. And it's true. The fans, the fans, we are upset. Many of us are upset for different reasons. But I'm also a realist. CM Punk doesn't owe us shit. You don't owe us a fucking thing because he's a performer. They're all performers. Do you think any one of those guys legitimately gives a fuck about what's written about them on a message board or a po- or a forum or Reddit or Twitter? They don't give a shit. At the end of the day, we are all walking, talking dollar signs. Our kids are small dollar signs and the adults are big dollar signs. And that's it. There's no connection. There's very few legitimate wrestlers that are connected to their fans on a different level. You know who's connected to his fans? Mick Foley. Mick Foley, love him or hate him, is connected to his fans. That's what used to burn Triple H so much. Mick Foley is connected to his fans. Daniel Bryan is connected to his fans. And when I say connected, I mean that he views them as people. Daniel Bryan did a signing here in New York about six months ago. He signed. He was supposed to be there, I believe, from 12 to 3 at Steiner Sports. For those of you that live in New York and know Roosevelt Field Mall, you know Steiner Sports. His signing was from 12 to 3. Daniel Bryan didn't leave till like 5 o'clock because he kept signing and he kept talking to the kids and he, and, he, and he finished the line of people. Then he left. And that's what I'm saying. It's the guy that goes the extra level. It's the guy that likes to, to be within the company of his fans. 
those are the guys that have a connection. CM Punk has a connection to his fans, but his connection to his fans are on his terms. And I've seen it in countless interviews. When you see CM Punk doing a panel at Comic-Con, he enjoys it because he's connected to fans on his terms. Does he want fans coming up to him when he's having breakfast or waiting for him at the airport? No. You know, Quark brings up, he says, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are going to be connected to the fans once they turn face. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose did a signing also here in New York City, and everybody said Roman Reigns was the nicest guy there. You know? See, Roman Reigns was the nicest guy there. Dean Ambrose was on his phone. Uh, Seth Rollins was on his phone. And Dean Ambrose really could care less if he was there or not. But Roman Reigns was smiling. He kissed a couple of babies. He hugged a couple of kids. You know, it was he was he was doing it the right way. Now, Jay says what's sad is he doesn't care. CM Punk is grateful but selfish at the same time. Exactly. That's a good way to look at it. It's about being grateful and selfish. I'm grateful that you pay my rent, but I'm selfish because I want you to leave me the fuck alone. You know who else suffers from that? Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar loves the attention, loves the spotlight, but hates being a performer. Brock Lesnar hates autograph signings. Brock Lesnar hates interviews. Why do you think Paul Heyman does everything for Brock Lesnar? Do you think that for the road of WrestleMania that Brock Lesnar is going to show up on on Kelly and Michael in the morning and talk about his match with The Undertaker? No. You know who's going to show up? Paul Heyman. CM Punk. Do you send CM Punk to go on, you know, the Arsenio Hall show, or do you send John Cena? And it's funny because Randy Orton said in a promo, oh, I want to do all that stuff, but you're he's not the guy you send out. You don't send Randy Orton to go and sit down with, with, with uh, you know, the, the morning show because Randy Orton is a fucking dullard and he has the charisma of this fucking flash drive. This flash drive has more charisma than Randy Orton. So no, Randall, no, you can't go to the morning shows because you are a fucking dullard. Same thing with Brock Lesnar. You don't send Brock Lesnar out there. You don't. You send Paul Heyman out there. And this is the thing that I'm talking about that the WWE is trying to protect. They've invested a lot of money in CM Punk. A lot of money. They, and, and in investing that much money, they don't want to bury their investment completely because there's merchandising, there's video games, there's T-shirts, etc., etc., etc. Val says Randy interviews well. He's funny. Yeah, Randy Orton is funny when he's on Opie and Anthony on Howard Stern, you know, when he's able to be himself, you know, a douchebag. You know, that's it. Quark says someone clearly doesn't like Randy Orton. No, you know what the problem is? I met Randy Orton. Randy Orton's gimmick is pretty much how he really is. I met him at a signing and he was very nice. He was like, hey man, how's it going? I shook his hand. I took his, I took my photo and I went about my business. But you could see that the dude understands that he is a third-generation guy at the top of the fucking mountain. The guy knows it. He lives it. And his attitude is, it is horrible to a degree. I would have thought that after, you know, like, like he would have gotten better, but he hasn't. And that's what I'm saying. When WWE goes around and looks at their guys, there's I, I group these guys in four categories. You have your guys that are great on TV, 
and great for press. Then you have your guys that are great wrestlers, shitty for press. Then you have your guys that are great wrestlers. Don't ever, 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 ever let them out in public because they're antisocial and terrible. Then you have your last group of guys that suck as wrestlers, but are great as, you know, personalities. And here's here's a great example. The Miz. Look at The Miz. Everybody thinks that The Miz is about as mediocre as mediocre gets. But you know what The Miz does that other guys aren't familiar with? He knows how to navigate the MTV circles, the Viacom circles. He knows how to show up on shows, be personable, and sell the product. He knows that. You know who else had that? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin could get it done in the ring, and he can be personable. He can be personable. The Rock, let's not even let's not even talk about The Rock. The Rock is every aspect of The Rock's persona, whether it's his personal life, his professional life, is carefully orchestrated to make him the best representative for your brand as possible. And CM Punk, that's the problem. CM Punk is a great representative for wrestling fans, but his jaded outlook doesn't make him a media-friendly individual. And that's part of the problem. It's like, yeah, you can go out there and you can cut an awesome promo, but guess what? There's more money outside of those four, those four turnbuckles. There is money outside of those four ring posts that you can't get because you're too hung up on what wrestling should be. And that's Punk's problem. Punk has a view of wrestling that, yes, it is the way it should be. Should Daniel Bryan be champion? Yes. Should Daniel Bryan be main eventing WrestleMania? Yes. Should Daniel Bryan be the face of the company? Yes. Should he not be getting jobbed out every week? Yes. Exactly. You can go down a list of everything that they should be doing with Daniel Bryan. But again, you are a piece of the machine. You are not the machine. So all you got to do is dial in, grin and bear it, and make it work. Like, Val, that's a great way to look at it. CM Punk is a wrestler's wrestler and doesn't care about anything else. And Jay says Punk is too reclusive to be given that responsibility. And that's what I'm saying. But the guy wants it. He wants ice cream bars. He wants to be on collector cups. And he has been on collector cups. And he has been on video game covers. And he has been on magazine covers. But I don't understand what else does the guy want. Do you not want to fight Triple H at WrestleMania? Okay, understandable. But don't sit there and not think that you haven't had great things being done. And Quark touched on that in his column. It's true. He's been on cups. He's been on magazine covers. He's got a dozen t-shirts. He sells a fuckload of merchandise. What, what, else does, what else does the guy need? He has a tour bus to take him from city to city. Does he want movies? What movies are you going to put him in? That don't involve him being, that don't involve him being like a tattooed criminal or some sort of sidekick. Because let's, let's, let's think about this. Let's think about this because value bring up a good point. If CM Punk made the jump to Hollywood, would he be a serviceable actor? Answer me that. I'm curious. I want to know what you guys think. If CM Punk said, hey, I'm going to start doing movies. 
Does he have the chops to do it? You know, does he have the chops to do it? <laughs> Val says straight edge the movie. Chaperone 2, Quest for Booty. Thank you, Quark. But no, seriously, like, can CM Punk be that guy? Val says, hell no. And therein lies the problem. You know? That, that is exactly it. The guy wants, he wants a lot, but it, it, you have to weigh things out. You know? That's, that's, that's just... That's just something we got to look at. And me and Quark are going to discuss that a little further. Anyway, let's let's get into the rest of Raw for for this week, because like I said, if we go into this punk situation, it's going to be a lengthy, lengthy conversation. Anyway, uh, one of the things that we all know is that WWE was using the hashtag hijack raw. Now, the funny thing about this is that raw that WWE pretty much manipulated the audience to hijack the show to get it trending. Once again, the sheep got played by the wolf. Because that's what happened. The sheep were played by the wolves. Because they were like, oh, when you do your, ta- your, your tweets this evening, use hashtag raw. That's, it. that's exactly it. You know? Hashtag raw. I mean, uh, use hashtag hijack raw for all your tweets this evening. So, of course, everything is going to be trending. You know, everything is going to be trending and you're and you're pretty much moving your audience in the direction you want using CM Punk as the catalyst. And that's 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 just amazing, amazing booking. Amazing booking. Nobody realized that everybody's like CM Punk chats and people are, are, you know, CM Punk chants throughout the arena Everybody bringing up CM Punk. Hell, WWE gave you guys a hashtag to use because they knew you guys were going to try and hijack Raw. That's how, that's how well you fell into it. And this is all Vince McMahon. It's not Triple H, it's Vince McMahon. Do you think Vince McMahon doesn't want to hear people chanting for CM Punk? Of course he does. Because when he talks to him, he goes, you know, Phil, everybody's chanting for you. People want you back. What do we have to do to get you back? Oh, well, you know, Vince, I think, uh, you know, I think a private jet and um, a bunch of straight edge stewardesses that were naked at least halfway through the flight would be good. Not a problem. Like, that's what's happening. That is. Do you think Vince McMahon is burned because there are CM Punk chants? He is not burned. Because he's using it as leverage. Because this is business. It's not just wrestling. It's business. That's exactly what he does. He goes, did you see it Monday night? Everybody was chanting for you. We gave everybody great matches, but they still chanted for you. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right, Vince. You're right. And that's it. And that's that's it. They, they, they handled it exactly how it was, face first into Chicago, face first. And they delivered. Think about it. They gave us a great match between the Usos and the New Age and the New Age Outlaws. Anybody that thought that that match was shit is an idiot. That match had great storytelling and the right team won. Why? Because you can do more with the Usos than with the New Age Outlaws. 
The Usos are young, they're fresh, and the crowd is into them. The crowd cheers them, they chant with them, they're digging their gimmick, so give them the belts. Pretty much academic. Uh, Big E took on Cesaro, of course. You know, Jack Swagger got involved. This is leading to the obvious triple threat match at Mania for the, um, you know, the, the intercontinental title between Cesaro and Swagger. And you never know, we may even get a triple threat match between all three members of the Shield for the U.S. title. Just something, just something to be considered. Val says, has anyone noticed that CM Punk hasn't been on Twitter since he walked out like period? Yeah, he was, he was at the UFC event. He was, Quark, he was. But yeah, he's, the guy's just, he doesn't want to deal with the bullshit. He, and think about it. What's he going to do? Log on to Twitter and have a thousand people asking him why he's not coming back? Or he's going to have a thousand different MMA guys challenging him for a fight? Fuck it. Don't log in. Let it be. Anyway, we were treated with more quality wrestling with the Shield uh, taking on the Wyatts in a, in a beautiful show of storytelling uh, with Ambrose and Reigns being left alone by Rollins because Rollins just got tired of the shit and the Wyatts ended up securing the victory in a very, very solid match. Of course, Fandango and Summer Rae took on Emma and Santino. And at that point, I just... That was that. Uh, Christian took on Sheamus, and of course, that's the the uh, the continuation of their little feud that has been started along. I found it to be meh. Christian and Sheamus. Here's the problem with Christian and Sheamus. Sheamus, nope. Yeah, Sheamus is a main eventer because he's Triple H's boy. But if you strip away any sort of main event push for Sheamus. Sheamus is pretty fucking bland. And Christian, people dislike Christian, but Christian has never had a bad match. Christian is one of the few guys that can go out there and make anybody look good. Sheamus, you know, he's a big dude. He has a he has a unique look because he's fucking pretty much, you know, you could see through him like this bottle of water. But, um, you know, other than that, I always found Sheamus to be very vanilla. No pun intended. And, um, you know, it was... And and it, it's funny because Quark mentioned to me that Seamus has marks. And it's true. Like, people mark out for Seamus. And I'm like, is it because you guys are all from Ireland? Is it because only the Irish people mark out for Seamus? I don't I don't know, man. You know, I don't I don't really feel Seamus brings anything to the table other than being incredibly pale and being a ginger. That's it. It's like, you know hit myself on the chest, fella, you know, and come on, that's it. And Christian, Christian's just going to be as serviceable as he can be until his contract is up and he'll probably retire. I don't think Christian, you know, doesn't have enough money to not retire. Christian was a guy much like Edge that were very smart with the way they did things. And if, and Christian's a guy that he, you could see him doing Haven with Edge to, to go back to what they said. You never know. You see Christian and Edge on fucking Haven on the sci-fi channel because those two guys, they are very smart with their money. And Christian Christian is a great snarky, douchebaggy kind of a guy that you could see in a movie or see on a TV show. He, he, he's a marketable looking guy. I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. He is a walking, talking Simpsons character because he is way too fucking yellow for his own good. But besides the fact that he has the complexion of a jaundiced patient, 
he's he's all right. You know, he's he's he, minus minus the jaundice. He's he's okay. I, I I like Christian. I think Christian, if he retires, he'd be all right. But Sheamus, for as much as you try to show, to to sell me on Sheamus, Sheamus is, is meh. You know, like he's Triple H's boy and his training partner. Maybe they take turns on Stephanie McMahon. Who knows? But either either way, Sheamus is very meh. Like when you talk about Irish ass kickers, I don't think of Sheamus. I think of Fit Finley. Finley comes first to mind when I think of Irish guys that I don't want to get into a fight with. Sheamus is definitely maybe number three on that list. Mick, uh, you know, uh, Fit Finley, number one, pretty much. So we got the uh, the tag team match with Nikki and Brie Bella against Oksana and Alicia Fox, and I just it just begs the question. Where are all the other divas? Are they in Vince McMahon's prize closet? Because it feels like every week, Oksana and Alicia Fox take on the Bella Twins or take on Eva Marie and Natalia or take on, you know, any of the other ones. Seriously, it just feels like the same recycled match every week that isn't going anywhere. It isn't. It isn't going anywhere. And I asked myself, I'm like, what happened? You had a, a promising Divas division. All of a sudden, it took a complete shit. And we're getting the same five matches every week. Like, I, I don't get it. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm like, well, damn. You know, these guys, these guys are really just not doing shit. And it's unfortunate because I said to myself, you know, maybe I'm not giving them the credit they deserve. And, and you saw, I said before that they were, I was like, yeah, they're doing all right. The Divas matches are improving. Now it's like... Fuck, why are they so bad? And and that's the issue. It's like we're seeing the same four matches every week. And and it's bad. It's like you have a lot of new divas there. You have you have Prissy Hen, you have Emma, you have Paige on NXT, you have Charlotte, you have a couple of divas that could definitely start making the jump to come up to the main roster. So we don't have to see the same four fucking matches. Because that's what gets me. It's like, yo, we're really going to see the same four matches again? Again. Again, the same four matches. Sure, no problem. No problem. Because I need a bathroom break. I need a four-minute bathroom break. Sure. Let's let's just do that. And that's what happens. You get a four-minute bathroom break whenever, <laughs> whenever you get a Divas match. And that's pretty much what it was. That match was four minutes. I went to the bathroom. I got a snack. I came back up. And the match was done, and I felt that I lost nothing because of it. Simple as that. Anyway, at least the, the segment was redeemed with some beautiful promo work from Daniel Bryan, and WWE was kind enough to actually share it on their YouTube channel. Check this promo out. You don't listen to the Yes Movement. You don't listen for their obvious desire to see somebody like me or everybody else back there that's like me see people like me succeed. And the only way, the only way we will ever get you to see that is if I beat the crap out of you. And if I do it at WrestleMania. Daniel, it's just not gonna happen, okay? Your little match at WrestleMania is just not gonna happen, fella, okay? Get over it. 
WrestleMania is the showcase of the immortals. And this, Daniel, as hard as it is for you to swallow, this just does not measure up. Now, get out of my ring. This isn't your ring. It is, actually. It is our ring. This is their ring! Let me clarify for you and for everybody else, Everything in this arena right now, including them and you, belong to us. Now, get the hell out of my ring. Why don't you make me? Kane! So we know the deal. Corporate Kane comes out, tries to evict Daniel Bryan out of the ring, proceeds to, uh, you know, typical, typical Daniel Bryan stuff, security removes... Uh, you know, security removes Daniel Bryan, removes Daniel Bryan, which are pretty, which is pretty much all the guys that they haven't signed to NXT deals. Those guys remove Daniel Bryan, and we went into our next match, which pretty much was our promotion of the evening with Aaron Paul driving Dolph Ziggler to the arena and Dolph Ziggler beating Alberto Del Rio. Congratulations, Dolph! You got one victory on Monday Night Raw. Now, can you ride that wave of momentum from from one match? and continue to be entertaining, the powers that be may actually allow it, especially if Alberto Del Rio does leave, then, yeah, Dolph Ziggler is probably going to whoop his ass. But otherwise, it was a nice little bit of uh, product placement with Fast uh, with Fast and Furious, <laughs> pretty much, with Need for Speed. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty much, you know, it is, it, it, it is what it is. It was okay, you know? Dolph Ziggler got his whopping one victory. We got a little Aaron Paul uh, interference, and we got to see that pretty nice-looking Mustang that they're using for Need for Speed. We also got our brand-new inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame, the one and only Paul Bearer. Uh, Definitely a well-deserved honor. Nice to see him going in there as well. I see that Quark is on the line. Let me bring him in so he can finish Raw and get into this week's wrestling news. Quark, welcome back. I'm back. Deal with it. There you go. Channel channeling your inner Batista, I see. Oh my man, I gotta have someone to root for now that uh, the former best in the world's gone. 
Yeah, well, please don't root. Don't root for the walking, talking Alienware logo, please. You gotta root for the underdog. Let's let's not let's not let's. That guy is gonna play second banana to a talking raccoon. <laughs> Bro, he's he's the new Johnny Ace. He's the guy who loves to hate. Oh, I mark out for. There you go. He's my man. There you go. So Dolph Ziggler's wave of momentum, his one his one victory over the always charismatic. Alberto Del Rio. While obviously it was a, a shill for Need for Speed, I was happy to see Dolph get the victory. It was it was quite nice. I think Jesse Pinkman gave him some meth to help him win. You never know. He may have got a little meth on the way in. It's possible. Dolph, we need to cook. We should have we should have definitely got a Jesse Pinkman bitch during his uh, commentary. Yeah, bitch. Exactly. I would have been happy. I would have marked out. That, why not? But you, people say bitch on most of the regular broadcast channels. You could have got away with it. Yeah, I mean, The Rock talked about sucking John Cena's nuts at one point. So um, this, is, this is true. Think about it. <laughs> this is very true. So um, Biggie, of course, took on Jack Swagger. Further angle advancement. Where, where do you stand with, with the potential breakup of the real Americans? Oh, uh, um... I mean, it's bound to break up, but I don't see Cesaro fighting. People are talking about him fighting uh, Cesaro and Biggie at Mania. I don't see it happening. I think Cesaro's going to turn face before then. Okay, I think I think I would see Cesaro, Swagger, and Biggie in a triple threat for the 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 IC belt, and then the Shield doing a triple threat for the US belt, and then after that, unifying it. Yeah, I think, like, in that match, Cesaro, like, turns face. Yep. Like, Biggie will get the tail on Swagger, and then, like, Cesaro will, like, shake his hand or something. Yep. Could happen. I think I, you know, I was watching the NXT arrival, and uh, Cesaro's match with Sami Zayn, when, when I finished watching that match, I said, Cesaro definitely has all the tools to be a main eventer. And before anybody jumps on and says, oh, yeah, but his mic work isn't that good, listen, that's what managers are for. And last time I checked, Zeb Coulter does a pretty damn good job of it. But that's the question. Will Zeb stay with them? Zeb's I think heel. I think Zeb will stay with the Super winners. Heel. Zeb will stay with the winners. Not only that, but people were chanting, we the people. People are into the racismo. Good point. People are into the racism because <laughs> we are all racist on the inside. All of us are yeah, yeah, racist. It, it Lives. Yep, racismo lives. We are all racist on our inner. Every time he, he says, "You put your hand over your heart and you say loud and proud," you just hear that arena. We the people, and it's like, yeah, part of it is because they're into the gimmick. But you know, there's a couple of guys that live in sheds in the middle of the fucking woods that are eat, sleep, and breathe that flag, and they're like, "Yep, I hunt in the forest, and I believe in Jack Swagger." And Antonio Cesaro, I believe in those guys. You know, there's one fucking guy that it's real to him. The one. <laughs> Damn it. Slick says, Rich used the wrong hand. Fuck it. <laughs> but it's true. It's like the inevitable breakup. Cesaro is definitely going to benefit. But my big concern is what happens to Jack Swagger? I told you this. You told me no, Del Rio's caddy. No, no, no. But I mean, but in in all seriousness, you break them up. 
Where does Swagger go from here? Because not for nothing, he had a good match with Big E at the Chamber pay-per-view. He did. I almost feel like he's going to be a guy. Um, like, there's so little. There's a lot you can do with him, but not as, like, main event caliber. Well, like, I have. He's always, he's always the second guy. I have a crazy idea. Um, Kurt Angle said in an interview that he was going to be coming back to the WWE when his TNA contract expires in September. Take this with a grain of salt. Why not bring Angle back, put him with Swagger, and make Angle Swagger's manager? That way you kind of keep Angle from not wrestling all the time, and he can kind of help Swagger along. What do you think? That's like dream booking that I don't think will ever happen. Because that's a good way to do it. I mean, Kurt Angle, he's still got a lot of great matches in him. But think about it. You bring him back. Swagger, Swagger says to Zeb, you know, you're too worried about Cesaro and what Cesaro's doing. I bro- I'm bringing in a guy who believes in me, who knows what it's like to be a real American, and it's Kurt Angle. It would be insanity. I, I, yeah, I, I see it happening. That would, that would be good because what will happen is whether they're heels or faces, Kurt Angle can impart a lot of wisdom to Jack Swagger. There's a lot of stuff he can learn besides the fact that he would whoop Swagger's ass in a match, but let's, let's not go that far ahead. But I'm just talking about just in terms of him being a performer. If he learns from Angle, oh, he'll be a fucking problem. All right, go on this one. Could you see Rick Flair as his manager? No, because the problem with Ric Flair is being, because the problem with Ric Flair being a manager for anybody that doesn't have an upper main event <clears throat> vibe around them is the fact that at the end of the day, Ric Flair ends up taking all the heat. That's what happened with 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 Vicky Guerrero. When Vicky Guerrero was managing Jack Swagger, you got to the point. I mean, um, Dolph Ziggler, you got to the point where Vicky Guerrero was getting so booed that nobody even cared that 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 Dolph Ziggler was in the ring. And therein lies the problem. Ric Flair is so so larger than life, so big, that you can't put him with a guy like Jack Swagger, who's essentially a mid-card guy. Huh. That's I mean, the it's problem. A, it's a tricky situation. I mean, there, there's so little managers in there. It's like, tough. What do you, what do, you do with him? Well, Rick Flair's gone. He's going to be lost in the shuffle. Well, Ric Flair's back. managed his daughter on NXT, which is Charlotte. And he does a pretty good job with that because she calls herself, you know, the dirtiest diva in the game, because obviously, and and it works, and it works because it, there's that connection there. It's his daughter; she's he's managing her career. That's good because that's good for her in terms of her growth. But when you're taking a guy like like Jack Swagger who has that lisp and he's just a big ass farm boy, it's like you got to put him with a guy who's good on the mic but doesn't take away from him as an athlete. In Kurt Angle's case, you could put Kurt Angle with him, and he's going to be like, you know, Jack, I want you to follow the three eyes: intensity, integrity, and intelligence. And, you know, and, and it's just nice, subtle things that'll make people like, oh, shit, you know, Jack Swagger's not a complete bag of shit, you know? It, it can work. That's some, that's some good booking. I got nothing to top it. That's that's what I'm saying, and then of course we go from we go from that to the to the to the drub fest of John Cena and Bray Wyatt's promos. Now the funny thing about their promos 
is that their promos are good. I, you know, I, I have no, I have no disrespect towards Bray Wyatt's promo work. I think he is at the top of his class when it comes to cutting crazy, freakish promos. But the problem is John Cena's promos are always the same. I will overcome adversity. I will overcome the odds. I will win 17 matches in a row after taking nine finishers with my lime green shirt. Like, all his promos are the fucking same. It irritates me because <laughs> Bray Wyatt's like an actual like supervillain. Like, he feels like a guy would be in a horror movie. Yep. And then, you know, John Cena's like the perfect rival for him. You got, like, Superman trying to feed the bad guy. But the problem is they're, they're selling it to John Cena's hurt. Yep. So it almost makes Bray Wyatt seem weaker because he's picking on a, a weak man. Yep. He's not fighting John Cena at his strongest. That's what I fucking hate. The WWE, WWE always does with John Cena. Whenever he loses a match or anything, he's always, oh, I, got, I, I had a fucking shoulder injury. Yep. Just like Daniel Bryan getting in at SummerSlam. The next fucking night on Raw, John's like, yeah, I had a, I had a golf ball in my elbow. Oh, that's not the reason you won, but I'm just saying I was fucked up and I could whip your ass next time. I, I hate that they do that. Yeah, no but, one can ever beat him clean. This is true. That they're, they're always very, very protective on how you give him the victories. And I agree. It's like, oh, you're going to do the injury angle and, and then John Cena is going to overcome the odds and beat Bray Wyatt because that's the problem. That right there in a nutshell is the problem. It's not the fact that Cena's hurt. It's the fact that you have a guy like Bray Wyatt who is devious, who is nasty, who is, to, to your point, the equivalent of a wrestling supervillain to John Cena's Superman, yet all of a sudden Cena is injured and that's why he may lose. It makes no sense to me. I agree 100%. It discredits someone like Bray Wyatt, who is going to be here for a long time. I mean, he's going to be around. By the time Cena's done, Bray Wyatt will still be going. And that's what I don't get. You have this dude who's been in the business for 11 years, and I understand he's John Cena. I get it. But just have him fucking lose. I literally can't even remember. Someone who's beat him clean, 100% beat him with no garbage behind it. You think about when CM Punk won, oh, I'm bringing him up. When he won back in Chicago uh, at Money in the Bank or whatever, he beat him by, by a technicality. You know okay. what I mean? He, didn't, he beat him, but he didn't beat him 100% clean. And no one's ever, in the, ever since I've been watching, no one has beaten him 100% clean in a regular old wrestling match. It's always something, something behind it, something that's fishy, and it irritates me. Well, you know what's funny? I mean, Daniel Bryan beat him clean, and, and Cena admitted it. That Monday. Yeah, he said that, yo, my arm was fucked up and whatever, but he said Daniel Bryan beat me fair and square. And it's true. Cena can say that, but there is the there is the asterisk because, you know, there, you know, Jay saying it's Daniel Bryan beat him clean. Cena admitted it himself. He did. And it's true. He endorsed that victory. But it was with the asterisk of, yeah, you know, I had the golf ball in my arm. He didn't say that that was the reason he lost. He said, you know, Daniel Bryan was the better man and he beat me. But. Like, you know, to your point, there definitely is an asterisk type of a vibe there because it's like, hey, yeah, he beat him. But, you know, down the road, we can always say, oh, Daniel Bryan, you beat me because I was I was injured. Of course, this would mean that Cena would be the heel at this point, but that'll never happen either. Now, of course, Jay says. You know, Cena is Hogan. Get used to it. And it's true. Cena is Hogan. But remember. When Hogan turned heel, the game changed completely, which makes me wonder if and when they turn Cena heel, 
will it be that type of a moment? Will that be the moment that, you know, oh my God, this is the moment wrestling died. You know, will it be that kind of a moment like when Hogan turned? No, because wrestling doesn't need John Cena to turn heel. He will never turn heel, ever. Back then, they turned Hogan heel for a variety of different reasons then. Oh, let's do something new. They tried to be edgy. They wanted something that's never been seen. This is different. I know John Cena turning heel is what everyone wants to see, but it'll never happen. There you go. Well, I mean, I got nothing. I, I, I mean, like, it just won't happen. I, I don't know why people want him to turn heel. He has so much clout. And, and honestly, I think John Cena has done more for the company than Hogan ever has. Like, in t- today's day and age. Yeah, well, there's... You know, Hogan did a lot to get it started. Right. But John Cena has elevated WWE from this raunchy program into something that's actually respected in the media. Well, that's because... But that's also because John Cena has what I was saying before. He's the guy you send to Good Day New York at 6 in the morning to hand out WWE titles to their shitty-ass hosts. He's the guy that shows up on the CW Morning News. Hey, everybody, how's it going? It's 6 o'clock in the morning, but I woke up next to a Bella Twin. Ah! You know? Like, that. Like that's how it is. You know, he's... he's 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 on the he's on a different playing field because he's the guy that you want to put in front of everybody. And and Daniel Bryan is also that guy. As much as management refuses to acknowledge it, Daniel Bryan is the guy that you put out there when you can't put Cena out there. Why? Because he has he's clean living, he's a good role model, he has a, an incredible story. And he and he's a good wrestler. And he and he's and he has a he has good presence. I don't know if he's going to want to show up on the morning news looking like a lumberjack, but you get the idea. <laughs> exactly. Jay says Hogan never Hogan turned heel because he was in WCW. He would have never turned heel in WWF. I got I got to agree. <laughs> I got to agree that is true. So, let's go into into your boy, your boy Bautista and Daniel Bryan, which as soon as like 1054 came out and Daniel Bryan came out, I said, we know how this match is going to end. Let's not kid ourselves. And it was funny just because, you know, Triple H was talking all that shit and Daniel Bryan straight kicked him in the side of the face. It was hilarious. And of course, you know, Triple H is going to get the last laugh and, and, and drop, the, drop him on the pedigree. But um, overall, it, it was a decent ending. It's just that the problem with Batista is that he is kryptonite when it comes to getting the fans involved in anything. People hate him so much. Like, he's got X-Pac level heat right now. Like, yeah. it, like he's just booed. He's booed the minute he's on screen. Like, partially it's because it's the cool thing to do. Like, like booing John Cena. You know, even when John Cena's doing a five-star match, people still boo him because it's the cool thing to do. Like, Batista's getting booed because it's on that, it's beyond it being the cool thing to do. I I just find I find it disgusting how they brought him back <laughs> and he looks like he hasn't trained in wrestling since he left. He looks he, he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's he, so sloppy. I was talking to John about this and he was saying, "How hard do you think WWE actually feels burnt about bringing him back?" Like they must be they must be like they must be blown away of how piss poor. Batista looks in the ring and on the mic. Yeah, it's incredible. But, yeah, but you know what it is? The thing with Batista is, and, and like I said, 
there's the whole they want to get that Marvel tie-in. They want that. You know, they want Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy presents, you know, um extreme rules. Like they they want that because they that's that's a money endorsement. But the problem is that that when you look at Batista, Batista left WWE, went to do MMA. He was very he's he's pretty good at it, you know. He's good at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And he comes back, you see Caesar Gracie Jiu-Jitsu's logo on his trunks, and you see that he's bringing that to the table. And what I say to myself is, you're in there, you're learning all this MMA. Why are you not trying to find ways to apply it to your fucking matches? He's collecting that paycheck and he's dipping. You know, like he's just, he come. It's like come in, scream, power bomb, leave. You you forgot to add deal with it. Yeah, you well, deal with it. Well, like that's like that's how you got to look at it. And it's funny because Jay says Batista's a natural douchebag. Leave him as a tool. I agree. He shouldn't have came back as a face. He shouldn't have been a face in the least. He should have just came back exactly like that. He should have came back, you know, like Hollywood rock. Like, yo, man, I'm out here doing movies. I came back because, you know, wrestling needed star power. Like, that's all he had to do. Wrestling needed star power. You know? Like that's, that's pretty real much shit, it. though. I, I I think Batista sucks, but I think as a heel, I think he's gonna do great. He fits oh. like the authority perfectly. Yep. He's just a, he's a piece of shit who can't wrestle, and they can almost embrace the fact that yeah, we just brought him back because he's in a movie, and that's about it. Well, you Deal know, with it, literally. <laughs> well, you know what the problem is? I wouldn't even make Batista aligned with the authority. I would just make him an elitist level heel. Like he can come in and. You know, Triple H would be like, you know, Dave, you're coming out there. You're being super violent. You know, you're doing all this stuff. And he could just be like, yeah, well, Hunter, you know, when you're in Hollywood making real movies, you know, not getting your ass kicked by Wesley Snipes, then, you know, you could tell me what to do. Like shit like that would work. Like imagine that like Triple H comes in. He's like, you know, man, you know, you really shouldn't be powerbombing people through tables. And, you know, he could turn around and be like, yeah, well, you shouldn't let your ass get you shouldn't get your ass kicked by Wesley Snipes. How many movies have you done? Oh, yeah, that's right. One real movie. And then he could just clown him about doing like the chaperone. So just like he's the people's heels, what you're trying to say. Yeah, dude, just have him be that kind of a douchebag where it's like, like, you know, like Stephanie McMahon comes in and Batista's like getting a massage and she's trying to talk to him and he has like a masseuse, like hardcore Hollywood shit. Like he's getting a back rub and shit from like a hot chick. And she walks in and she's like, uh, Dave, you know, your match is next. And he's like, you, you see me in the middle of something, right? And she's like, yeah, well, your match is next. I'll be ready. Don't worry about it. Your star, your A-plus player, he'll be ready. And, you know, shit like that. And that would work because then it's a heel that you can kind of connect with because you're like, wow, that's really douchey, but it's funny. Like shit like, shit like that. Or, or, you know, he should come out and he should be like, you know, I'm not going to come out until I get proper introductions. And they should have, like, all this ridiculous pyro when he comes out. Like, not just the machine gun <laughs> shit, but I mean, like, super Randy Orton reigning pyro plus the machine gun shit. <laughs> and, he, and he should just be like, this is how a star comes out. And, and just, just go that route. The crowd will be so fucking heated, but they'll be like, yo, what is this guy going to do next? Like, he should legit just come out. Every week, just fuck with people. Like, he needs to come out one week and get ready for a match. And, you know, it's like 10-minute build-up. 
And then right when the match starts, he's just like, wait, who am I fighting? He just fucking leaves. Yep. And just, just walk out. They'll be like... Doesn't even fight. They're like, Batista, you're facing Yoshitatsu next, and he should just be like, are you serious? You, you, he, just leaves. He should be like... Leaves. Before the, the ring bell rings, everyone's seated. No, he leaves. I'm he, out. I'm not fighting this jobber. I'm fucking Drax, baby. Slick said he should use China's cannon. Remember when China had the pyro cannon? Were you watching no. wrestling? China had a China had a cannon that would shoot like pyro. It was like a Gatling gun of pyro. Oh, I thought you were referring to a clip deck. No, 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 no. I mean, that's a cannon. Itself, yeah, that's a okay. can, that's a different type of cannon. That's a flesh cannon. But I'm talking about a real a pyro oh, okay. cannon, dude. It was ridiculous. They should give Batista that. They should. He should just he should just come out with a Vin Diesel impersonator and be like, yeah, you know, Vin came with me to walk out tonight, and they're like, but that's not but that's not Vin. And he's like, yeah, it is. Like, every every week, it should be something different. Like, oh, you know, Michelle Rodriguez is coming by Raw later. And it should just be, like, some chick, like, the, some impersonator. Like, he should just be super high on himself, super Hollywood high. But but just the fact that he's... He still needs a stunt double. Yep, he should have a stunt matches. double. Yep, he should have a stunt double. That's exactly it. He should be like, no, 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 I'm not going to do... Who am I fighting? Zack Ryder ass sent the stunt double out. And it's a dude that just looks nothing like Batista, and it's a stunt double. Brian Saxton. <laughs> That's it. Dude, it's, yeah, Bro, Bro, Byron Saxton. D- dude, his stunt double will be Ryback. <laughs> just send Brown. That's it. Send Ryback out there. Ryback will be like, all right, Dave. And it's funny because they could be a tag team and call themselves the big guys. That's it. Jesus. Batista and Ryback, the big guys. Yes. And Jay, Jay said, That's give him, Jay someone, said, someone please make this in WWE <laughs> universe in 2K14 and send it to us, please. Jay said, give him bodyguards and TMZ followers. Yes. You know what should happen <laughs> when he finishes his match? You should have like a TMZ bug on the side of the screen. Dave, what do you, how do you feel about your match tonight? Eh, my opponent was okay, but you know, maybe I should have let the double do it. <laughs> And then he just gets in a limo and leaves. Oh, Jay is killing it. He sits in a director's chair doing commentary while the stunt double does his matches. Yes. Holy shit. And then for WrestleMania, he comes out dressed as Drax for his match. And he goes, I thought this was for the premiere of Guardians of the Galaxy. Dave, this is WrestleMania. Oh, and he just does the match as Drax. In full Drax <laughs> makeup. The guy with his bowie knife. Yeah, he pulls out like the Bowie knife and they gotta be like, Dave, 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 what are you doing? I thought this was the action sequence. Dude, this is a match. What are you doing? Just have Triple H just come out like, what are you doing? That would be fantastic. That would be the only way Batista, Hollywood Batista. That's it. Like Jay said, uh, director's chair, full TMZ, comes to a limo. Comes to the arena in the limo. The limo, the limo drives out like JBL and shit. He gets out. They have fake photographers, like when Molina and Eminem used to come out. Fake photographers. They roll out oh, the red God. carpet when he walks down to the ring and shit. Oh, fantastic! Wow, dude, that would be that would be ridiculous. Oh, hey, Batista, you got a match tonight. Who am I facing? Oh, you're gonna face one of the Usos. I can't. I got a chemical peel in an hour. <laughs> I'll fight, but I can't sweat too hard. I got a photo shoot later. Yep, I got a photo shoot later. I can't. I, I just did my makeup. 
Oh, it'd be it'd be fantastic. And every night, every Monday, he comes out with a different chick. Oh yeah, she's going with me to the after party. Hey, hey, Hunter, are you coming to the after party? Oh yeah, that's right. Guys who got beat up by Wesley Snipes aren't allowed into the building. And he should just keep fucking with him, just doing shit like right. that. Or or Randy Orton. Bring back Stacey Keebler today. Oh yeah, there you go. Stacey Keebler should be his chick. Clean scraps. Hey, you know you're going to be facing Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Hey, wasn't he on that crappy movie that's a Netflix? <laughs> like, that should be it. Was that match cleared with my agent? Yes, Jay. Yes. Seriously, dude. Fucking, we, we can we make Batista a, a, a serious problem. A serious problem. But anyway, at, minus that, Raw was, was pretty decent. I mean, the buildup for Mania was good. Um... You know, I, I will say that the post-show and the pre-show from the WWE Network are nice. They're doing a really good job kind of expanding on it. it. It was nice to see Alex Riley, who I actually forgot what he looked like. By the way, uh, Quark, you have full authority to use Hollywood Batista for a rebook. Excellent. <laughs> go, go to town, my friend, because I know you'll make it work. Oh man, I don't, I don't know if I could like put all this into like into writing, and I feel like Jay would need like a writing credit for that. Well, you guys, Holy you God. guys, you guys can figure it out. But let's get into the wrestling news for this week. I got a survey earlier this week asking me if I would have a problem with WWE raising the price of the network to eleven ninety nine a month. Just just so we're aware. <laughs> Not a fan of that at all. <laughs> I am. A, a whole whopping uh, two dollars extra. I, I'm assuming I that's going. That, that is that is that is a whole two tacos. I could be getting a month extra at Taco Bell. Think about it. That's Think a whole. That's a whole two tacos that El Torito can eat. <laughs> See, uh, El Tostino roll. <laughs> that dude. That dude subsists on Tostino's rolls and forties with Hornswoggle. They have like college oh, kid damn. diets. But yeah, I got I got the survey. What's today? Today's Thursday, uh, Monday. Monday. So, and it's funny because I saw it and I said, "Yeah, twelve bucks." And then I said to myself, "I could probably swing twelve bucks just because now they're getting into Netflix territory and the value is there." Still, even if you do, hey, even you if really, uh, I mean, twelve look, bucks is good. I mean, it's definitely looks. I, dig it. I mean, I think one of the only problems is the. Uh, the whole commitment thing for for um WrestleMania for six months. I think that might be the problem with some people why they're like, oh, this is bullshit. Well, here's four bucks a month is fine, but then you, when you look at it over time, it looks like a lot to people. Yeah, and that's where people are. Fucking... I'm not. I'm not. I'm still not saying it's not a value, but yeah, and people were bitching rest. about it. People are bitching about it, but again, sixty pay per views are sixty dollars a month. That's seven hundred and twenty dollars a year for pay per views. If you spend a whopping twelve dollars a month. For twelve months, it's a whole hundred and forty-four dollars. So it's like it's one hundred and forty-four dollars. Whoop the fucking do! You spend one hundred and forty-four dollars on bullshit. You know, but half the time, half the time, people aren't even watching and paying for these other pay-per-views. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, cool, I get payback. Yay! Hey. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's like people are only going to care about SummerSlam, Mania, the Rumble for free next year. You know, all all the all the good ones. Hell, who knows if we're even getting Mania again next year? You know what I mean? 
Oh, they could swerve everybody. Be like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, next year, not so much. If you notice, it says every pay-per-view, including WrestleMania 30. Right. They don't say shit about next year. because They say 12 pay-per-views plus WrestleMania 30. That's true. They nice don't say catch. WrestleMania 31. That is a nice catch. Well, here, here's, here's the crazy part. While WWE's thinking about raising the price of the network, TNA's worried about cutting costs with talent. As we, as I've discussed before, they, you know, AJ Styles, Hulk Hogan have left the company because they were told to take pay cuts. Now, the funny thing is that the company's actually asking talent to take less money once their contracts expire. Others who have time left on their contracts are being asked to restructure their contracts for less pay. One, one veteran wrestler said, before you know it, they'll be charging wrestlers to perform. <laughs> Probably. Jay says the TNA network is going to be streamed on MySpace. <laughs> At this point, I think Jay is TNA's only fan. I like TNA. They have a lot of good guys there, but the problem with Do you TNA- actually like TNA? Do you really are you proud to admit you actually like TNA? I like aspects of TNA and I'll tell you why. TNA has even now a better women's division than the WWE. TNA has it, even in its limited capacity, a decent and serviceable tag team division. TNA also has a bunch of guys that could, in essence, make a great addition to the WWE roster. I can say without a doubt, Bobby Roode. I can say Austin Aries. I can say Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, James Storm, Mr. Anderson, if you even felt like it. You know, TNA has guys. No. You know, TNA has guys. The problem with TNA is shoddy booking. They've pissed away money on guys they shouldn't have pissed away money on. Let's be realistic. Was it worth it paying Hogan and Bischoff all that fucking money? Was it worth it hiring Brooke Hogan? Was it worth it giving Sting boatloads of fucking cash? Was it worth it not re-signing the main guy in your roster being AJ Styles? Was it worth it signing Jeff Hardy and dealing with all of Jeff Hardy's bullshit? Willow. Yeah, exactly, Willow. But seriously, was it worth it? No. Even the you bring up that the TNA has guys. You know who also had guys? WCW. Just saying. Yeah, but WCW also suffered from mismanagement and Ted Turner just throwing in the fucking towel. And I and you think TNA hasn't thrown the towel? Not yet. TNA hasn't thrown in the towel because Panda Energy is still putting money on the table, along with Spike TV. Spike TV is the guys that are putting up the money to get the guys like Sting, to get the guys like, you know, Kurt Angle and those guys. You know, Spike TV is laying out that money. The problem is that there's not return on investment. TNA has good Yo, guys. They have till 2015 to close down. Yep. Because several months ago we made a we made a bet. Yep. And I said February of 2015. I know. And I'm hoping I'm right. Well, I can't wait. Oh, you gone or well, at least out of this country. Well, you, Jay says uh, racking millions overseas. I don't care. Get him out of here. Yeah, Who I mean. Them? That's the problem. They rack, they rack money in London. They rack money internationally. 
But you know what the problem is with doing international shows? All the money you got to spend on airfare and accommodating all your talent. Yeah, you'd have packed houses over there. But then when you show TNA doing shows here in the States, I've seen high schools with better with better attendance. You know, that's that's just how it is now. Okay, granted, go granted I did go to a TNA house show. And it was awesome, right? John. It was incredible. Yep. They're t- TNA house shows are incredible. I went to a TNA house show at Westbury at Westbury Music Fair here in, in New York City, and it was it was amazing. I got to meet LAX. I got to meet Chris Sabin, who was a bit of a douchebag. Uh, Samoa Joe. You know, I I met a lot of guys, and it was a fun time because it was a small venue. None of the seats were bad, and it was good. The problem with TNA is piss poor booking, and just lack of full direction. Like right now, they put the belt on Magnus. Magnus is a, is a, is a serviceable guy, but the bigger buildup is putting the belt on Joe. The problem is that it's so late in the game to put the belt on Samoa Joe that the that the fans really just won't give a fuck. When Samoa Joe needed to be champion was like three years ago. Like it's too fucking late now. TNA here's here's a funny thing, and I know you don't watch TNA. TNA did a segment. I'd say about two years ago, Jay knows this, where Samoa Joe got kidnapped by guys in masks, thrown in the trunk of a car, and that was it. Then he just came back randomly, and it was never discussed. Never discussed. Like, yo, your man, got, your man got thrown in the back of a car by dudes in ski masks, and they never, ever said, who was it, what happened, why it was done, nothing. <laughs> Dude, that's a big fucking deal. You're, you're, one what? of your main guys it's got... It's like stinging his bird watching over Eric Bischoff. There you go. Dude, just what? no reasoning whatsoever. Never knew what happened. They never elaborated on it. They just did it. And, here, and here's the funny thing. Your boy, your boy from, from left NXT... Went to TNA. He's Ethan Carter the third now, and he's doing fairly well over there. So there, there's you know there's a couple of guys that are, that are pretty good. Now of course they got locked down this weekend. Jay's going to be live blogging that. But one of the cool things that was announced is that the Great Muda will be competing at Lockdown against Bad Influence and Chris Sabin. Now the Great Muda is is a legend. If you've never if you've never seen Great Muda's matches. Ladies and gents, fucking do your homework because that's going to be sick. Plus, he's wrestling with guys that have wrestled in Japan with Bad Influence and Chris Sabin. That's going to be that's going to be serious business. Now, of course, Kurt Angle taking on EC3. Meh. Team MVP is going to be MVP, the Wolves, and your boy Jeff Hardy. I'm sure you're excited for that. <laughs> taking on Bobby Roode, Austin Aries. He's my man. Austin Aries and the always uh, serviceable bromance. Again, TNA, they they have potential there. They're just saddled with shit like that. Your guy getting kidnapped by dudes in ski masks, and we never know why. We're also saddled with a I mean, chick. Granted, Vince McMahon was blown up in a limo. So, um, I don't care if Chris Van Watt killed a bunch of people. <laughs> I need an explanation. Yeah, exactly. Well, Vince McMahon getting blown up in the limo was eliminated as soon as Chris Benoit decided to, you know, Use the old himself exactly. As soon as he as as soon as he decided to you know hang out. Anyway, 
overall, look, TNA is not the greatest thing in the world, but if you take TNA out of the picture, that just leaves Ring of Honor. And those poor bastards don't got a TV deal. And they got great wrestling. One day. Maybe. Yeah, well, it, here's the funny thing. With the price of the WWE Network possibly going up, Forbes actually reported that Vince McMahon is once again a billionaire. According to Forbes magazine, Vince McMahon is worth $1.2 billion. And the statement reads as follows. WWE, a third-generation wrestling company, uh, McMahon grew up in a trailer park in North Carolina and joined his father's small wrestling company in 1972. Purchased the business 10 years later, then transformed the World Wrestling Federation from a regional operation into an international phenomenon. WWE won public in 1999, and today its programs are broadcast in nearly 150 countries and in more than 30 languages. Wow. 1.2 billion. Billion, dude. It's a, you know, it's like... It begs the question. So it's the great Kali do dubbing for everyone in India? You never know. He might. The great, here's the funny thing. Guys like the great Kali are going to get hired because Vince McMahon just has the money to, you know, he just sits there and throws money in the fireplace. Damn it. I need more big Indians. You know, that's what he does. I need more giants. Find me giants. But, but sir, sir, we don't have any, any more giants we could bring in. What about those big blue ones that were in Thor? Sir, those are frost giants. They're not real. Damn it, make them real. That's what he does. You know, Vince Vince doesn't give a shit, dude. It's like Triple H is mad at that CM Punk is gone. Vince is like, damn it, we need to sell more shirts. More best in the world. That's how it goes. Sad but true. Vince doesn't care, dude. $1.2 billion doesn't give a shit. Why do you think he rehires all these guys that he allegedly hates? Excluding Randy Savage. Because he can't. Excluding Abraham Washington. Well, Abraham. That dude is MIA. <laughs> Abraham, well, you want to know what's funny? Uh, I know that. Were you watching wrestling when Armando Alejandro Estrada was around? He managed Umaga. No, that guy runs a smoothie stand. So. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. but this, this is what happens. Dudes leave, and it's like. Like, Shane Douglas, I think he worked at Target. I know Justin Credible worked at the Olive Garden once. We, we know that Buff Bagwell is a complete gigolo. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, it, 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 that's how it goes. Quick update on Abraham Washington. He's now a recording artist. So, oh. uh, in case all of Abraham Washington's fans wanted to know that. Well, one thing one thing I did not know, which was news to me, courtesy of his Facebook, Mick Foley is no longer under contract with the WWE. Whoa, when did this happen? Uh, pretty much uh, a couple of days ago. He put it on his Facebook. He said, you know, after his contract ended with Saturday Morning Slam, he is no longer under contract to the WWE. But he will be working with them in the future uh, for certain things and certain public appearances. But his contract is done. Huh. No yeah. comment on that, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, 
No, he was well, pretty pissed after Rumble, so it makes sense they didn't want him back. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what really this means. The product as of late. Oh yeah, he's gonna be extra critical, extra critical. Oh no, contract, no problem. Yeah, well, he got dough. He don't gotta worry about nothing. He don't gotta worry about nothing. But another guy who's probably on his way out is probably gonna be Rey Mysterio. His contract is up in a few months. There's speculation that he may go to AAA in Mexico, which is actually going to debut uh, a TV program on the El Rey Network, uh, with the, which is going to have from dusk till dawn the TV show. So, you know, Ray's future may be up as well. With that said, do we need the Sin Cara match between him and Ray at Mania? Is the question. I got this. You're some dream booking. Are you ready? I am ready. So we have we have this guy. We have, we have Sin Cara. Betrayed by CM Punk, of course, and he kicks Rey Mysterio's ass and unmasks him to get revenge for WrestleMania three years ago. Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, Bueller. There you go. That's that's a little that's a, that's a little insane. But the fact is, Rey wait, Myster- wait, that's insane. But fucking Kurt Angle coming back and helping out Jack Swagger is fine. No, no, no. It's it's not. It's not even that. But CM Punk unmasking Rey Mysterio from a three-year-old that would that would mean that management is actually paying attention. You know, that would be the greatest shit ever if it's just this guy. He looks like Sin Cara, but then he rips off like like this skin suit and you see the tattoos under there, rips his mask <laughs> off and it's fucking CM Punk and he unmasked Rey Mysterio. That would be top five greatest WrestleMania moments of all time. Write it down. Patent that shit. So, so you're you basically, first. So basically you're saying that it, that the guy rips off his skin like one of the aliens from V and it's CM Punk underneath? Is that what you're saying? It's like, it's like gel. <laughs> oh, shit. Did, did you watch Mission Impossible this week? Is that why? When Tom Cruise took off the face mask? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know what I mean now? He has, a, he has that thing that Doc Brown has from Back to the Future Part 2 oh, where he got that plastic surgery shit and he rips it off. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hey, I, I'll take it, dude. I will take it. Um, NXT is going to be getting a renewed push considering that everybody was so in love with NXT arrival. It seems that there will be some NXT guys getting called up to the main roster, but they will be working on building NXT as the company's pure wrestling product. What do you think? It, it, it sounds to me it's like, hey, we're going to work you just as hard as the Raw guys to pay you a quarter of it. Cool? Cool. Pretty, and we're not going to ever promote you, so fuck you. That's why Vince McMahon is a billionaire. Just saying. Exactly. Last <laughs> And his stocks are worth a shit ton now. Yep. I told you we should have bought him. We should have. You didn't listen. I, that, that, that's, a, that's my own mistake. I will say, I will say to close things out, uh, WWE signed more talent. They signed uh, CZW world champion Drake Younger. Uh, CZW, of course, gave us Dean Ambrose. Just so, just so we know, uh, he will be heading to WWE's Performance Center in early May. Uh, Younger was a uh, participant in the tryout camp in December. Also, Ring of Honor's ACH will be getting a tryout alongside Kevin Steen and Roderick Strong. So, of course, WWE looking to grab as many independent guys as possible so that they can feed them to Triple H and Batista. Unless Batista's too famous for that. Yeah, he's too famous. Too famous for that. Last but not least, TNA knockout Brooke Tessmacher has changed their Instagram handle to her real name 
and put up an Instagram post saying that things happen for a reason. So Brooke may be leaving the company considering she hasn't been on TV in like fucking six months. And she was pretty much Bubba, you know, Bubba's fuck trophy when she was on impact. Doesn't really matter. I'm sure she may get uh, a WWE call up. Maybe they'll send her to NXT too. She has a good look. She was on WWE before. So it's, uh, yeah, not a shocker. <clears throat> and I put her name in the chat. I, got I put I put her name in the chat for those that want to use the uh, the almighty Google to see what the deal is. Anyway, last but not least, to close things out, of course, did you get the network? Not yet. No, dude, are, are you on spring break? That should that should have been priority one. I got bills. <laughs> you know what? You come home and see that three hundred dollars fucking bill just sitting there randomly. Hey, that's due. I see that the struggle. <laughs> I see that almost every Friday when I get a paycheck. <laughs> it's like what? It's like it's like I have the money, but I open my wallet and just disappears. It's just gone. It just evaporates. I understand. I feel your pain. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Last thing. Last thing to wrap things up. Make sure to read uh, Buried Spotlight on CM Punk. And I'm sure there will be a rebooked in the near future. Of course, follow Quark on Twitter at QuarkMTR and make sure to comment on his articles because he really likes it. <laughs> Anything else? Real quick, I just want to say I find it funny that I wrote a CM Punk article and you didn't even have me on the show to talk about one bit. It's fucked up. Everything that, listen, everything that you wrote in that article is legit. I have no disagreements. That's why I said I couldn't even find somebody to come in and do a uh, a, a, a counterpoint. And I put it out there. Maybe, like, oh, maybe, I, maybe I want to come in and just reread my article to waste time. You ever <laughs> think about that one? No, let's not have that. No, no I was fucking around. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't find anybody that could counterpoint that article. I'm like, oh, anybody agree with this whole CM Punk thing and are siding with CM Punk? And people were like, nah. The guy's kind of right that wrote the article. kind of lost it all. <laughs> Deuces. Dude, people people were just like exactly like that. They were like, uh, nah, the guy's kind of right. <laughs> yep, good. Welcome. There you go. All right, my friend. Anything else you want to add? That's it? Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm actually on there more. Good. That's about it. Nice work. All right, dude. Appreciate the call in. Peace. Peace. All right, and with that, Quark actually helps wrap up this week's wrestling news. Let's get into some gaming news because there is a lot going on. We got some departures. We got a little bit of controversy afoot. So let's get right to it. Huh. I needed another video game. Ah, I knew I needed one. Here you go. There you go. There's, there's the video game jingle for this week because I didn't have any of the old jingles there. Anyway, gaming news this week. There, there's quite a bit to discuss, of course. The first being pre-order bonuses for Amazing Spider-Man 2. Amazing Spider-Man 2, which, of course, will be airing on next-generation consoles as well as current-generation consoles, is scheduled to hit stores April 29th. Now, of course... Any Spider-Man game that's put out, you know that the usual pre-order bonuses are costumes. <clears throat> In this case, it's no different. 
If you pre-order Amazing Spider-Man 2, you will get the Iron Spidey suit, the Cosmic Captain Universe suit, Spider-Man Noir, and the Black Spider-Man costume. So there you have it. Of course, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 will once again see you resume the role of Peter Parker, and you will be using uh, free-roaming capabilities throughout Manhattan, and there will be a new Hero or Menace system which rewards crime-fighting and adds consequences for letting criminals roam free. There have been improvements to the combat system as well as new features included. Again, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, (coughs) Wii U, PC, and 3DS. So mark that down on your calendar. Also, the big news, the Batman Arkham Knight, which will be the final installment of the series put out by Rocksteady, is stepping away from current generation and only making its availability on next-gen, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. So there you have it. With that, I'm going to take this opportunity to bring Slick in because I'm sure he's going to want to discuss that at length. So let me bring him in. Slick, welcome back. What's up, man? I'm pretty good, dude. How do you how do you feel about the Arkham series pretty much making the jump to next gen and abandoning current gen systems? Now, before you answer, a lot of people were very vocal about that, saying that, oh, you know, it's bullshit that people with current generation consoles are going to be left in the cold considering they played the first three installments on current generation consoles. Now, before you give you give your take on it, I did want to say that a new generation of consoles is out. It is a no-brainer that they are trying to force everyone to move to next-gen, whether it's by stopping support of a system or not releasing certain games. It's a no-brainer. We're all going to need to make the jump very soon. Your thoughts? Well, that's that's actually one of the things I wanted to call in about because people aren't thinking about Oh, I can't get it for PlayStation 3. I can't get it for 360. And, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is the third game in the series because that last one wasn't made by Rocksteady. Right. But it's the final... not, uh, you know, fuck Arkham Origins. That's, that's basically what I'm saying. No, well, I, li- I liked Arkham Origins, but according to Rocksteady, it's the final installment of the series. So from, from the Arkham series... You. From the Arkham series for them, I'm curious, though, because... It's their final installment, and they're going next-gen. Considering how Rocksteady has has given me faith in superhero games, I would love to see Rocksteady try and do a Superman game. <clears throat> I kind of would, too, because it'd be... As much as I'm not the, the biggest Superman fan in the world, I would like to see the Blue Boy finally get a good game. I agree. But um, on the Batman thing, it, it, it goes back to what I said when, when the PS4 and the Xbox One first came out. The reason why I think this is a good thing is not specifically because I own a PlayStation 4, but the fact that when you get these, these big titles that come out on PS4 and PS3 and Xbox 360 and Xbox One, the next-gen versions... I don't want to say crappy, but they, they just wind up being ports of the lower-gen versions with right. some extra detail. 
That's one no. way to look at it. Good, good. No, no, no. I'm, I'm agreeing. That's one way to look at it. I mean, the at the end of the day, every game that's come out for next gen, excluding a few, have been exactly what you've said. They're ports. They're made prettier. That's it. There's no, there's no. Oh, you know, this is this game is is built from the ground up. It's all ported over and made prettier. And yes, some of the games do look nice, but there's no there's no building from the ground up. Using using the new architecture and the new hardware that's afforded, the Batman Arkham series is going to look ridiculous on next gen. And sure, the trailer was for all intents and purposes, you know, the 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 a regular trailer, but if gameplay is even remotely close to that, it's going to be a problem. Right, cuz I mean what is it? Officially the seventh. We're four days away, not the first game, but we're four days away from the big game for the Xbox One Titanfall, which yep. is coming out for the 360, but not for like, not till the end of the month. Right. And the three we're the two three. weeks away from the first big game for the PS4, right. which is Infamous Second Son. Right. And I, I want to see both of these games in action. I kind of wish that Titanfall was really an Xbox One exclusive because I mean it comes out it's coming out for everything that Microsoft does: PC, 360, and and Xbox One. So that's kind of a bad example. I want to see like a pure Xbox One game come out, right? But like, I mean, aside from being you know the the obvious infamous fan. I want to see Second Son because I really want to see what a game specifically made for the PS4, you know, aside from Killzone, yeah, of course, where, you know, there's a, a real hardcore focus on, like, storytelling and presentation and stuff. I want to see what that looks like. And that's why I'm glad that, that the Batman game is coming out for a PS4 and Xbox One exclusively. Because, yeah, I mean, if you want to play it, yeah, you actually do have to, as, as you would say, step your game up and get a new console. Is that easy? Necessarily, no. But, right. hey, if you want to play it, you want to play it. Well, here's here's one thing. And, um, yeah, uh, good. No, what I was going to say is that it's funny you bring up Titanfall because um, Hip Hop Gamer did an interview not too long ago, and he was discussing that Titanfall, while it looks good on the Xbox One, looks better on the PC. And in essence, Microsoft is competing against itself. And it's weird that he said that because a lot of people are saying that by you putting out these games on Xbox One and then dropping them on the PC, you're you're in essence showcasing the fact that PC hardware will be leaps and bounds ahead of consoles. Now, while that's very easy to say, I do have to look at it from the standpoint that Consoles are pick-up-and-play for everyone. PCs, if you're a PC gamer, it's one of those things where you're getting the most bang for your buck if you invest in good hardware. And yeah, that hardware is going to serve many purposes besides gaming, but what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up being a slave to constantly specking out your system to get the, the, the best picture possible, the best appearance possible. Console gamers... They're wowed by the graphics they have. It's true. I've looked at some PC games, and they are amazing. And the PC Titanfall is a problem. But 
to the casual gamer that's just, you know, picking up games that are being blown away. You know, top tier hardware is, you know, it's it's there, but Val said it, you know, it's 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 a small percentage. Yeah, because honestly, if you need a new PC right now and you need a new PC to type your papers for college, like let's say Quark gives a new computer, that's one price. Right. If you need your new PC to run my take radio, that's another price. Yep. If you need your new PC to play Titanfall at full spec with all the bells and whistles, that's a price that's higher. That's higher than what Quark and Rich need combined. Yep. And I, and it's funny because it's funny you bring that up. I I'm I'm actually specking out a new system uh, to to run the show. Like right now, I run an AMD quad core 965 black non overclocked and you know 16 gigs of ram full end video card i built my pc to run the show and it ran me about about 800 bucks at the time you built yours shortly after and you fully spec'd out yours and you you spent a lot more but again when you're yeah, because I wanted it to last as long as possible. Exactly. And that's what it is. When you're when you're when you're pushing it, everybody everybody's looking at things differently. Now, see Strider says eight hundred dollars isn't bad. It's not. The new PC that I'm building for the show now is is actually probably gonna be less than eight hundred dollars. One, because I'm repurposing some hardware. But two, even with the AMD 8-core processor that I'm going to use, which is an AMD 8350, it's only going to cost me 170 bucks. And if I use the, um, the Raptor motherboard that I want to go with, that's only another 170 So, you know, it's, 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 it's negligible. And the, the, the video card I have now is, I believe, a 680 Ti. So I can, I can repurpose that. And I can build a pretty solid system, probably under eight hundred bucks, under. And it, again, it's going to be powerful enough to render video and do what it's going to do. Am I going to game on it? Probably not. But again, you're building it for what you're going to use it for. And even people that are using mid-tier computers for their games, they're they're going to build them, and it's going to serve more than one purpose. See, with consoles, it's very different because there are people just they buy it and they get the value that they put into it. You spend 500 bucks on a console and it plays Blu-rays, you play games and you watch Netflix. There you go. It pays for itself, according to some people, you know. Exactly. This goes back to my argument of buying an Xbox One over a PS4. It's like me personally, just me wanted to play games. So spending that extra $100 for the Xbox One didn't make any sense. Nope. And I will I get it eventually? Yes. When there's a game on it that I want to play, which right. right now, there aren't any. Nope, it's true. I mean, even, even me, I haven't picked up either next-gen console. But again, this is what I was saying before. <clears throat> you buy the tools that you need to work. Like in my case. My focus is on building better hardware for the show. Better hardware for the show is going to supersede the games because the games will always be there. I will always get the games, whether it's going to be for review purposes, whether it's Gamefly, whether it's borrowing them. 
they're always going to be there. With a PC, it's a little different because of the PC, you're getting more than one use out of it. Even somebody that's building a $3,000 gaming PC is going to do more than just game on it. You know what I mean? You have work applications, video rendering, photo rendering. Yeah, porn, you know, high def porn, whatever it is. <laughs> it's funny that that you look at it that way, but it's true. It's like there's there's a bigger outlet for for a PC that goes beyond just what consoles are available. You know, as much as they want people to say, "Yeah, you know, my Xbox, I can watch movies on it. It can control my cable box." It's like, "Yeah, that's all well and good, but you can't do schoolwork on it." You know what I mean? You can't access Photoshop on it. You will always need hardware for that specific purpose and it, it'll be hardware that'll let you play some games on it too yep that's how, that's how i see Even it but with, but you know the with regards to the arkham knight um he's going to be a brand new villain created by dc and rocksteady and you're also going to see all the usual suspects two-faced penguin harlequin hush who is supposedly the villain behind the scenes and the Scarecrow. Now, the cool thing is they're touting that you're able to drive the Batmobile for the first time. Gotham City is going to be bigger. And, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff that you'll be able to do throughout the game that's going to be, obviously, performance boost, and it's going to be combat boost. But here's a thing that I wanted to say will make this game better. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm tired of, I'm tired of playing these Batman games and Gotham City looking like a wasteland. They really need to take a cue from GTA and make Gotham City a living, breathing city. Like, you need to be able to do the missions, and you need to go from rooftop to rooftop, and you can hear, like, a purse snatching going on. And you jump down and you stop it. You know, or maybe you clear a gang out of a neighborhood, and then the next time you return to that neighborhood, people are moving in, and people are walking the streets at night safely. You know, because that's my... Well, that's I have to say on that and Strider already kind of said it. I mean, the first game, the first game, you were literally on an island. You are on a pri- in a prison, so right. it's, it's, it's going to look kind of shitty. Right. The second game, you were in a, a sectioned off area of Gotham City that, again, was a prison. You weren't actually in Gotham City. Right. You were in Arkham, again. So in this game, you're actually going to be in Gotham City. Yes, you will hear things like that because... I mean, I can take it way back to the PlayStation 2 with the Spider-Man 2 movie game. And, I mean, you can always hear shit going on. You can hear that annoying little screaming for fucking balloon. Right. And I, and, I hope, and I hope that's what something we see. Because my concern is that it's just very easy for Batman to fly around Gotham City and punch people in the face. Fuck it. It works, you know? It's like, what, do you, what are you here for? I'm here to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. You know, that's that's how it is. That's that's how pretty much the Batman games are geared. Anybody that's that 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 says differently, come on. That's what it is. You go around, you beat people up, you fight super villains, you go about your business. That's it. My concern is always well, that if you're gonna be Go ahead. I was gonna say if you're gonna be pushing that monster that is the Batmobile they showed in that trailer, there's gonna be a much larger game areas, it, it'll be something the size of probably what, what you play in the, the Los Santos area, at least the Los Santos area of GTA, because that's supposed to be a whole state, Gotham City's not a state. Right. 
That's all I want. I want to be able to see an expanded city. You know, I really hope that they don't just rely on, you know, you jumping from building to building and fighting your 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 regular thugs and your jacked up dudes. And then you fight the boss for that area and you go about your business. I think that one of the things that makes the Batman universe so great is not only the fact that he has all these great toys and you have all these great fighting mechanics, but the fact that you're not utilizing the other aspects of his universe. You're not you're not accessing you know, Robin or Nightwing in you're only accessing them in multiplayer. And these are all valuable tools in Batman's arsenal. Hell, even even in Arkham Origins, you know, you saw Azrael involved. You know, there were there was a little tease of that. I'm not saying I'm not saying to go all out and create this because, you know, they're not doing multiplayer, but you should allow an expansion of just playing as Batman. Because it'll spruce things up a little bit, you know, and you, it'll force you to be strategic. You're not going to play through the through through a section of the game with Robin the same way you'd play with Batman because he's smaller, more nimble, and is more agile. Uh, the next game hopefully will expand on the last. I mean, you got to play as Catwoman in sections, and it was necessary to play in Cat, as Catwoman to get to certain areas. So hopefully they will, you know, have you play at least as Robin or Batgirl or something. And the question would be which Robin they choose. Right. And, um, you know, stuff like that. So hopefully we'll get more information on that by, by E3 because, you know, all they showed us was a trailer. And it's rock steady, so I, I feel confident enough that, you know, I, I could actually go pre-order that game tomorrow and not worry about anything. And, um... I just want to see the actual game in motion, which, again, I doubt we'll see anything like that until E3. No, we probably won't. I mean, the game drops in October. Uh, one one guy on Twitter was said, let's hope that these Batman games don't become Call of Duty where we get one every year. And I've realized that that statement, while, yeah, we are getting Batman in October, it's like it's the final game of the series. Yeah, you could do more with Batman, but I'm sure that Rocksteady's going to take a break. They just wanted to come back and do it right. That's all it is. I, and I agree with that. No harm in that. And even if there is another Batman game in 2015, who's saying that Rocksteady will be making it? Right. I mean, you take another superhero character like Spider-Man, and I mean, while Beanox has done the last few of them, a couple of other companies have done the games in the past. I That's mean, correct. Activision has hired several different developers for Spider-Man. Yep. That's definitely true. Well, so we'll, we'll see what happens as time goes forward. Absolutely. Well, to, to switch gears a little bit, there was um, a very interesting article put out by IGN about Amy Hennig, who was the creative director and writer for the Uncharted series. She actually left Naughty Dog. Uh, she was writing and leading development for the upcoming PS4 sequel to Uncharted, and uh, her final day was Monday, and a couple of sources are saying that she was forced out. So um, now she was forced out by Neil Druckmann and Bruce St Straley, who handled The Last of Us. Now, that's very interesting for a couple of reasons. Obviously, number one, Uncharted may now be under their control, but what's interesting about it is that with Amy Hennig leaving, you know, she was a, a, a person that did all the great writing and development 
for the Uncharted series, which is one of the reasons why those games were so well done. She was director and writer for Drake's Fortune, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, and Drake's Deception. It's like to, to push somebody out the door who's been so instrumental in making people really like that game, you know, it, it's, it's, it's weird to me. Not only that, but with The Last of Us, people kind of started falling in love with The Last of Us and forgetting that Uncharted is your Sony flagship title, you know? Well, the the bad thing about that is, I mean, it's kind of in the title. There's not going to be too much more done with The Last of Us, at least. They, they've already said that if there is a sequel, it's not going to have Joel and Ellie. Right. If there, if there are more stories in that universe... It's not going to feature Joel and Ellie. It's going to be brand new characters. So, you know, like you said, it's not going to be a flagship title because there's no flagship character to get behind. There's no Drake. Right. And And that's the thing, too. It's like Uncharted, when Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception came out, it was the it was the climax of graphics. When you saw that game. You said this is what every PlayStation 3 game should look like going forward. This was the measuring stick. But besides the fact that it was graphically one of the most beautiful games I'd seen, it also had a very endearing story. If it's one thing I've said, and I've said it about Assassin's Creed that that drags you in, it's the story. Yeah, the graphics are good, but Uncharted's stories were so well done. Well, they're gonna have to really make sure they they get somebody that that lives up to that standard that she she um presented. And who I mean, with a situation like that, I doubt we're ever gonna know the full story of nope. why she was pushed out. But I mean, if it was on her, then you know it is what it is. If it's on the these two guys who pushing her out, I, I wish her the best of luck either way. But. You know, again, it's something we're never going to know, so let's just hope that the game doesn't suffer for it. That's all we can hope for. Well, this next bit of news, I'm sure you're going to have a very strong opinion on. We all know that Watch Dogs was delayed uh, last October, and we've actually got a release date of May 27th for PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and PC. But conveniently... No Wii U release date was confirmed. Well, Ubisoft is one of those companies that is very vocal about shitting on the Wii U. Yep. And, I mean, they... they I think it's terrible what they did with... with um, I don't know, that wasn't, that wasn't Ubisoft, but when, when the whole thing dropped with... Um, no, it was Ubisoft. I think that they, with the Assassin's Creed cast, they they um, told them that they were not delivering the, the, the content. Right. With the season cast, they, they credited them the 20 bucks for it. Or was that Arkham Origins? Arkham Origins got both? the credit. Arkham Origins got the credit, and they were like, yeah, you know, that, that uh, DLC you ordered, yeah, you're not getting it. <laughs> I just... Like, I just feel that a game like that, like Watch Dogs, had, that had such a big, you know, had such a big hype train behind it and then gets delayed. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a release date for it. Like, I don't know if people are going to be as ecstatic 
considering the crop of games that's in the that's on the pipe, you know? Yeah, it's like I was looking forward to already have beaten Watch Dogs because honestly, that, that was part of what had me put my pre-order money out. Right. I was looking forward to playing Watch Dogs when I on day one. That's right. And it wasn't there, and I, I mean, I still definitely want to play it, but I can tell you, I'm not as hyped about it anymore because. For one thing, what the fuck have we heard about it lately? Yep. Other than instead of instead of June thirtieth, which was what what's been on all the the um, the retail websites, we now we know it's at the end of May. Great, it's a month earlier than expected. That's that's really great. But I mean, it's all it's all about marketing. Twelve minute gameplay video. We haven't seen anything about it right now. In games of that vein, I mean, I, I've already purchased Infamous, so that's a, that's a no-brainer. But in games of that type of vein that have lengthy campaigns and long stories and everything, the game that I'm looking forward to now is Dying Light. I'm not even thinking about Watch Dogs right now. Well, you know what the thing is? Strider, Strider says it. In a way, it's a smart move because summer is usually a dry season for games. People would buy it simply because there's nothing else to play. And he does have a valid point. My my concern is that they gave a release date and they're, the, you know, all that marketing and everything that was invested, they need to come out with a strong marketing campaign once again to generate a buzz. Because it's like that. Yeah, that I, I think that goes back to expecting a game coming out to come out with the, the launch of the console. I think. Right. They had a budget planned out, and it was supposed to be done, you know, one and done already. Right. So that, that's part of why we're not hearing anything, because they probably haven't allocated a 2014 budget for marketing for Watch Dogs yet. Right. That's one way to look at it. But I'll tell you this. One company who's, who's sitting back and collecting is Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics, because their Tomb Raider reboot sold over 6 million copies this month. Over six million. Oh yeah, they're, they're printing money right now. They, they don't they don't even care anymore because the PS3 version of of the same game. If you have PlayStation Plus and you haven't played that game, you know, turn on your PS3 and download it. It's free right now. Right. It's it. You know, it's crazy because it's like the. the we, we saw the Tomb Raider reboot. Everybody was enamored with the graphics, the new Lara Croft design, and it's, it's, it's a pretty enjoyable game. The crazy thing is that you wouldn't think that you would sell 6 million units considering the game's been out for quite a bit already. Considering the fact that everybody was pissed that there was a multiplayer aspect to a game that never, ever needed multiplayer, <laughs> and it sucks. <laughs> This is true, but and you, you, I can't believe they still put that bullshit on the the PS4 and Xbox One version. Like, why didn't you leave that shit out? Well, the funny thing is that what you were saying about people getting that game by turning on P- PS Plus, starting next week, anybody that buys an Xbox One is going to be getting a free copy of Forza Motorsport Five. They should do something. I mean. Well, Xbox One, I mean, sorry, Xbox Live Gold, if you have to pay the full price, which hopefully nobody does, 
is 60 bucks. Right. Freaking PlayStation Plus is 50 bucks for a year. So, I mean, and you get free games every month. Well, you get free games on Xbox Live Gold now, too. I mean, they haven't been the greatest Not ones. like you do with PS Plus. Oh, no, 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 no. Definitely not. I mean, I picked up, I finally picked up Dead Island for free on uh, Xbox Gold, the first one. And that's the thing. It's like, how old is that game? Exactly. That's why I brought it up, because I knew you'd say that. They're offering on, on, on PSN Plus, they're offering Tomb Raider, which, like you said, just sold a shitload of copies yep. in February, even though it's for a PS4. It's the same game. Right. And it, it's only a year old. That's correct. Well, Forza, Forza 5 will be free. Uh, there'll be a free digital copy, and of course, if you buy the Titanfall system, you won't get Forza, you'll get Titanfall, so there you have it. I mean, for 500 bucks, a system with a free game, it's not terrible, but at the no, end of the Bioshock day... Bioshock Infinite is free on PSN Plus. Yep, and that's that's just an amazing game. It's just about the value at this point. I mean, even if you buy the Xbox One with Titanfall... You're getting Titanfall, which is why you're buying the system. You know what I mean? Like they, like I said, it's like, other than that, there's not much they're selling you on. Killer Instinct, Titanfall, maybe Rise if you feel like it, and that's it. And Dead Rising 3, which I, I'm still, I'm not calling that a system seller because Capcom can turn around tomorrow and say, oh, by the way, we're releasing this for PS4. Yeah, well. Which honestly, they're stupid if they don't because you're Capcom, you're not Microsoft. Not releasing that for another console unless Microsoft pays you an assload of money is asinine because the numbers say it. More people have bought a PS4 than have an Xbox One. You have a better install base and you'll get money. This is true. Well, you know, it's funny on, on the Sony side of things, they, um, Jack Trenton, who is their, uh, obviously their president and CEO of Sony uh, Computer Entertainment America, is stepping down as of March 31st. Um, actually, the guy that will be taking his place, uh, do I have his name here? Yes, Sean Layden will be taking his place. He is the current executive vice president and chief operating officer of Sony Entertainment International. He will be stepping in and will be taking Jack Trenton's place. Now, it's very interesting because obviously it's a changing of the guard, but what is this? where does this place Sony with regards to just the direction of their console? I mean, they came out very aggressively trying to secure the number one slot in the States. Obviously, PlayStation 4 came out in, you know, in Japan, and they, they are selling like gangbusters there too. But what I feel is that you know, the, it's it's one of those things where the changing of the guard can, in essence, change the direction of the system. The same thing is happening with what's been going on at, at Xbox, you know, with the, with, at Microsoft with them bringing in uh, the guy who was head of Nokia to be head of Xbox. It's, it's just it's very interesting that there's such a, a drastic change in such a, a, a very, very fertile period for both of these systems. Both systems are in their infancy. You know, you need somebody with a strong hand that can lead not only the systems to the next level, but also lead the development 
of additional properties for those systems. And it's weird that they're just splitting them up. You know, these guys are just dropping like flies. It is. You know, it's and, like... Um, I was reading something that Strider just wrote in congrats on Strider for that one. It didn't even occur to me. Microsoft is pulling an Admiral Ackbar. I mean, both the Xbox One and the PS4 require their subscription service to play games online. Right. But Microsoft is about to try to sell you on a game that's online only. This is true. Which means that if you want Titanfall, even if the console is still only $500, and I'm, I'm trying to look it up as I speak, because I know, like I said, i said it many times, when you buy a PS4, you at least get a month free of PSN Plus, which right. is a card in the box. I don't, you know, if anybody in the in the chat has an Xbox One, if you can tell me whether or not it included any Xbox Live with it, Granted, I mean, like me, I'm a 360 owner, so I only ha already have Xbox Live. I'm talking about somebody who just picked up an Xbox One, never had a 360 or anything. Are you getting Xbox Live with it? I believe you were getting if Xbox. Not, I believe unless you were getting... you spend that extra 60 bucks, which basically means Titanfall costs 120 bucks, you ain't playing Titanfall. Well, I believe that you were getting Xbox Live when you bought those launch edition Xbox Ones. If I'm correct. Well, yeah, but what about the people? Well, I guess <laughs> it'd be really fucked up if the Titanfall edition Xbox One didn't include any Xbox Live at all. Yeah, which I'm sure they're going to give you. If I remember correctly, I think I talked about the bundle last week, and I think they give you. I don't know if it's three months or six months, but I think they're giving you something. Again, I'm trying to look it up as, as we speak. The way I see it, I think that when when, when you're looking at, at Titanfall and you're looking at, you know, systems that are as soon as a system releases a, 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 a launch title in a bundle, you know that they're pouring all their eggs into one basket like they like they need Titanfall to be successful. They need that. The Titanfall bundle includes one month of Xbox Live. Ah, one month. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. That, that, that's fine. That's, that's acceptable. Yeah, you get and one month. And it is still $500, so you do essentially get Titanfall free. There you go. But I, here, here's, the, here's the kicker. Say Titanfall comes out, and you've invested all this energy into this IP, and you're selling it bundled in with systems. What if it doesn't deliver the way you think? It's a big gamble, right? It's a big gamble, but at this point, it's not because I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I've looked online and people are literally going bonkers over the beta. I can't see the final product being less than the beta. Right. I mean, is it possible? Yes. yes. But remember, people when? are literally going bonkers over the, the Titanfall beta, so. I mean, again, this is a situation where Xbox One is going to be, you know, printing their own money. Well, remember when Wet came out and the demo looked really cool, then you played the full game and you wanted to blow your brains out? No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm going to correct you on that. <laughs> Wet came out, the trailer looked really good, the demo was a piece of shit, and the game was a bigger piece of shit. 
Because I remember I played that demo. I said, I'm not fucking touching this game. If I don't know how many months we made fun of that game, as the price went down consistently, yep. that shit dropped to 10 fucking bucks. And I said, it's still too much money. <laughs> Dude, that was that was a that was an experience. But but remember the amount of press for that game. It was a blitz a lot of, of advertising. Was, was voicing the chick. I mean, the chick was hot. They they could have made a good game out of it. They just didn't fucking care. The developers didn't fucking <laughs> care. That they, was the problem. They should have just made a video game version of Kill Bill at that point. They should have just made a fucking cartoon or just not made anything. They should have made Wet in the style they made Shank. Shank How bad is it that that game looks... Shank looks effectively like, um, what is it? The Metal Slug series. Yep. And it shits all over Wet. Yep. Shank is an amazing game. The sequel was a a a little suspect, but it was good. But dude, Shank was awesome. Wet was all wet. It's not in a good way. No, sir. All right, well, that actually wraps up the gaming news for this week. you have anything else you wanted to add? Two quick things. One, on South Park, the stick of truth. Go ahead. A lot of people are complaining about the language. To those people, I want to say, have a gigantic <laughs> fucking... <laughs> that... <laughs> A big gulp will shut the fuck up because if you come anywhere near a, something that says South Park <laughs> and expect anything less, not foul and fucked up language and fucked up content, you're an idiot. Yep, I this agree. This game is basically a video game version of the movie South Park: Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. I agree. South Park, even when it's edited on Comedy Central, one of the first episodes. Back when the the censors really were coming down hard on them, had Cartman call Kyle Broflovsky the mother a dirty Jew. Yep. And I'm sorry, but they literally said that. It was not edited. I remember that. And And you have a problem with the language in the stick of truth. You are fucking morons. There you go. And the last thing is on. What's the name? The um, the what do you call it? The update, the the latest update for Grand Theft Auto Five. Right. Rockstar is really pissing fans off. Okay. And I'm not so. even going to talk about the content of the the um, the the update because the content itself is fine. Right. Stop releasing updates that fuck up the game. <laughs> That, that that update came out this past Tuesday. Right. Yesterday was Wednesday, March 6th. Right. For the majority of yesterday, I could not play Grand Theft Auto because it wouldn't load. And I'm not just talking about the online game. I tried loading the, the main story, the offline part. Right. The shit finally loaded up. My car looked like it got attacked by Mexicans because it had no tires. Oh. It started up and it moved, but it made no engine noise. And <laughs> the mod shop, the one with the people that have played the game, the one where you can buy it and it's actually yours and everything inside is free, wouldn't open. 
nothing would open. Sounds so, fun. Offline and online, the game was unplayable. We were finally able to play it today, and we literally fell into the ocean. And I don't mean like you're, you know, you crash a plane into the ocean. I mean, I accidentally drove off a pier, and I fell to the ocean floor. I didn't drown. <laughs> I was walking around on the ocean floor as if I were made of metal. Oh, jeez. Like we were running around on the ocean floor, and we got so far out to the ocean that the game glitched and put us back on the beach. And we proceeded to run right back out into the ocean, not Yikes. swimming. Yikes. So, Rockstar, you once again fucked up the game that everybody wants to play, making it nearly unplayable. Thank you. That's insane. That is madness. Oh. And on that note, I'm done with my rant for the <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. There you go. If you are going to get the GTA update, please heed Slick's warning and play it at your own risk. Anything else? That's it? That's thing. It's not like it's an option. If you turn on the game, you're going to get it. Oh. Unless you don't go online. Oh, there you go. Big problems. Anything else you wanted to add, or that's it? I'm good for the night. All right, brother. I appreciate your call. I'll talk to you later. Peace. Peace. All right, ladies and gents, it is 1.46 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, My Take Radio's blog, Talk Radio Feed, will go off air at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, but you can continue watching and listening live by heading to mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv. But it is time to talk about some entertainment news for this week, and there is definitely quite a bit going on. Let's get right to it, shall we? Okay, entertainment this week has a lot going on. First and foremost, we have uh, some casting additions to Ant-Man. First, Patrick Wilson from Watchmen, who played Night Owl, is joining the cast of Ant-Man. He joins Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas, as well as Evangeline Lilly and Michael Pena, who are in talks, in final talks, to join the film. As of right now, Wilson's role is a mystery. In some unnecessary sequel news, we will be getting a sequel to Cabin Fever. You guys remember Cabin Fever, right? With uh, uh, pretty much the guy losing his skin and having it ripped off. It was it was a, a very, very unique film. I remember the chick was shaving her legs and her skin came off. And it was, it was so creepy. But the thing that gets me is that they're doing a sequel now. Now, this particular film is uh, Cabin Fever, Patient Zero, which will be releasing on video on demand and in theaters this summer. And it's going to follow similar premise with a group of friends enjoying a bachelor weekend on a yacht in the Caribbean. And as they run ashore to explore a remote island, they stumble upon an abandoned research facility where a massacre from a deadly virus is unleashed. Of course, they must find a way to survive before the flesh eating disease consumes them all. 
Their answer, an uninfected survivor, patient zero. So there you go, ladies and gents. Cabin Fever is getting a sequel. In some James Bond news, it looks like the brand new James Bond film is going to start filming later on this year. Uh, Ray Fiennes gave up the goods in an interview with MTV. Of course, Daniel Craig will be returning for his fourth appearance. Sam Mendes will be directing and Ray Fiennes will be playing M. As you already know, in Skyfall, he played Mallory and he took over for Judy Dench. Of course, Naomi Harris was revealed as Moneypenny. It looks like shooting is going to start probably in October. There's a script that Ray Fiennes stated he hasn't read yet. And the film is expected to hit theaters November 6th. 2015 here's some unnecessary remakes that are the first of what the fuck movie news for this week we are getting a remake of alfred hitchcock's the birds i kid you not a couple of years back there was a rumor that they were going to remake the birds with naomi watts attached to star but she is no longer part of the remake of course if you remember the original birds came out in 1963 and starred tippy hedron and it was pretty much flying birds attacking and killing humans for, for no reason whatsoever. It's like, oh, look, here's this pelican pecking out your eyes just because he was bored. Back then, when you watched that film, you thought, oh, you know, there's a pretty creepy premise. Watching it now, it's just something that you expect to see on the sci-fi channel. I kid you not. Do we need a remake for the birds? I don't think so. But we are going to get one. And add to that, we're going to be getting a possible new trilogy from the Wachowski siblings for The Matrix. I kid you not. Take this with a grain of salt right now, but Latino Review said in a, in a column that they released recently that the Wachowskis are set to revisit The Matrix universe with Warner Brothers for a new trilogy. It looks like they are going to go with, with possibly a prequel and it's going to cover the birth of the Matrix and also focus on previous ones that the architect man- mentioned in Matrix Revolutions. Of course, the franchise, super profitable for Warner Brothers, made brought in $1.6 billion. The last two Matrix films were released in 2003. So taking this into consideration, I pose to you guys in the chat. Would you care about more Matrix movies? I've always felt that the first the first Matrix film stood by itself. It was a one and done. Don't get me wrong. I have a soft spot for the second and third films, but I always felt that the Matrix from the from start to finish was a standalone film. I kind of felt that two and three were forced and they wanted to expand on this whole big mythology. But I always felt that the Matrix was a one and done film. Now you want to talk about going back and talking about the origins of the Matrix and the previous ones. I'd see them, but it's just something I feel is unnecessary. And again, the last time the Matrix was in theaters is in 2003. That was 11 years ago. Mind you, they're looking to get a new set of series of films out to take on Avatar and Star Wars when they come out in 2017. Obviously, the the Wachowskis would, you know, there's no word if they would direct, but I'm sure that they would want to bring the Wachowski siblings back to be involved in their flagship franchise. Now, Strider puts up a great point. He said, we already saw the origins with the anime. It's very true, but clearly they want to deep deeper. They want to dig deeper into the mythology 
much like they did with the sequels. And look how that turned out. Just saying. We got to talk about Fantastic Four. It seems that Matthew Vaughn was interviewed recently and asked about the Fantastic Four reboot. And he said it is a total reboot. It has nothing to do with the other bloody films. Obviously, the 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 casting ha- continues to raise a lot of eyebrows. Miles Teller is Mr. Fantastic. Kate Mara is Sue Storm. And Michael B. Jordan is the Human Torch. Jamie Bell will be Ben Grimm, of course, the thing. And the film is expected to open June 19th, 2015. Obviously, there's a lot of press and a lot of negative feedback about the casting. And I think it's definitely starting to ruffle the director's feathers a bit by him saying that it is a, it has nothing to do with the other bloody films. It is a total reboot. I feel that Fantastic Four, unless they do something totally out of the gate, it's, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. I kind of feel that that will be the movie that will definitely be a dud for Marvel. I hope to be proven wrong, but all signs point to it being shitsville. We shall see. On the box office front, Liam Neeson's nonstop, a.k.a. Taken 3, a.k.a. every other role that Liam Neeson has played during the last two years, took the number one slot at the box office, earning $30 million. Son of God came in at number two. The Lego Movie came in at number three, bringing its total to $209.3 million. The Monuments Men was number four. Three Days to Kill was number five. RoboCop was six. Pompeii was number seven. Frozen was number eight. About Last Night was number nine. And Right Along rounds things out in the top ten with its total now standing at $127.2 million. In some Gotham casting news, uh, Superhero Hype reports that 13-year-old David Masseuse from The Touch will be playing a young Bruce Wayne in Gotham. Uh, Cameron B. Condova will be playing Selena Kyle, who, of course, will grow up to be Catwoman. So you're going to get a 13-year-old actor for uh, young Bruce Wayne and a teenage girl to play Selena Kyle. Of course, the character of Selena Kyle in this particular series will be a teen orphan who is suspicious and wholly unpredictable, as well as a skilled pickpocket and street thief. So there you have it. Ben McKenzie will be playing James Gordon. Donald Logue will be playing Harvey Bullock. Sabrina Guevara will be playing Captain Essen. Aaron Edwards will be playing Gordon's fiance Barbara Keene. Sean Pertwee will be playing Alfred Pennyworth. So the cast is being rounded out quite a bit. Robin Lord Taylor will be playing Oswald Cobblepot. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith will be involved as Fish Mooney. And right now it looks like the pilot will be airing on Fox this fall. So there you have it. I think... I think the Gotham series is going to surprise a lot of people that are going to jump in expecting it to be all Batman. And this is not going to be an all Batman series. I cannot stress this enough. This is going to be a series following Commissioner Gordon. It's going to air on Fox and it's going to be a separate entity. It's going to be something created brand new for Fox and it's going to follow the Batman mythology from Jim Gordon's perspective. I tell you guys this so that when you turn it on this fall and you see that it's not all Batman and all Gotham City and it's more about Commissioner Gordon, you know that you were warned in advance. Just saying. So we've talked a little bit about the Terminator sequels, Terminator Genesis. Uh, before I get into it, just a quick time check. It is 1.56 Eastern Standard Time. 
the Block Talk Radio feed will go off at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can continue listening on mtrlive.com and gfqlive.tv. Anyway, so Terminator Genesis, Arnold Schwarzenegger talked about it at length, and uh, Movie Hole actually has a very, very interesting synopsis that may actually be how they will be doing Terminator Genesis. Anyway, first and foremost, production is scheduled to begin with a 2015 release date. Alan Taylor, who directed Thor The Dark World, will be directing this film. Arnold Schwarzenegger will be involved. Amelia Clark will be playing Sarah Connor. Jason Clark will be playing John Connor. And Jai Courtney will be playing Kyle Reese. This is not a remake, and it will be within the mythology of the previous films, but it's a reboot along the lines of Star Trek with Arnold Schwarzenegger acting as the bridge, much like Leonard Nimoy did in the Star Trek films. Now, the way they're going to follow this, and I need you guys to stick with me because it's a little crazy, they're going to use Genesis as the way that they did Back to the Future 2, in the sense that it's going to contain an original plot, but will return to and revisit memorable moments from Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. And they will also use the, the main story to introduce audiences to a new scenario and new characters that will be getting uh, the torch passed to them for future installments and will allow the series to be easily reset. In other words, you're going to see characters like the punks that Arnold Schwarzenegger saw when he arrived as the Terminator in the first film. You're also going to see Lance Heinrichson's detective from the first film. You're going to see Sarah Connor's roommate from the first film. You're also going to see uh, Kyle Reese jump in time and end up in the events of Terminator 2, seeing T-1000 kill John Connor's foster parents. So what they're going to do is they're going to... in 90 seconds. There you go. The English woman said 90 seconds. Uh, the Block Talk Radio feed will go off air. So get this. Let's let's kind of strip this down. We're going to go alternate timeline that's going to jump into existing Terminator films. So you're going to jump into parts from Terminator 1, parts from Terminator 2, but you're also going to have your own standalone plot. Holy shit. My brain hurts thinking about it. 60 seconds. 60 seconds, according to the English woman. Anyway, so there you have it. You're going to have a separate timeline that's going to coincide with the first two Terminator films. It's, it's, it's insane. But in a way, it kind of looks like it might work. But again, when I, when I read this, I said to myself, this is bananas. You're going to jump back into Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 and try and use some of the actors from those films, but yet continue a plot with the, ter- with the new Terminator Genesis, all while still utilizing Arnold Schwarzenegger in some capacity. Strider says, that's right, John Connor's adopted mom was Vasquez and Aliens. That is true. But it's, it's crazy. Ten seconds. Ten seconds. We got it. As I was saying, it's just weird that you're going to want to... It, it, it's going to make you really, really confused when you look at it. Because you're like, so let me get this straight. This is a brand new movie that's going to jump back into the first and the second film. But what about the third film with the female Terminator? Did that not happen? Because that, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're talking about all this stuff, but they're not talking about 
the you know third the third Terminator film was it that bad that it doesn't even count? I understand you want to forget about Christian Bale and and bullshit ass Sam Worthington who is you know Sam Worthington has zero charisma, but that's a story for another day. I do feel that it's something different. And they're approaching it a little differently, but the whole alternate timeline thing, it's it's kind of, you know, uh, sticking sticking within the parameters of the story while kind of hunting and gathering which parts of the story you're going to want to use. That's almost what it feels like. Like you want to grab all the elements that made Terminator one good, squeeze them into the new one, and then you're want to you're going to want to grab elements from part two, which was the better one, and squeeze those in there and hope for the best. It's weird, but who knows? I mean, we, we got a little bit to go. I mean, it's it's scheduled for a 2015 release date, but my my expectations right now are very, 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 very limited. We'll see how it pans out. Another unnecessary remake, and I know you guys are going to go insane, and this is another bit of what the fuck movie news for this week, West Side Story. Not only will it be West Side Story, but it will be West Side Story with Steven Spielberg being involved. I kid you not. As of right now, it looks like the film is going to be a modern musical update uh, set in 1950s gang, gang, you know, in the 1950s. And it's going to follow, of course, Tony and Maria. Spielberg is going to be involved. And uh, right now he's only expressed interest and nothing is 100% official. But they want to do a West Side Story remake. Are you serious? It's Romeo and Juliet with brown people. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's true. West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet with brown people. (laughs) That's all it is. And for them to even be contemplating a remake for a film that came out in 1961, it just shows that Hollywood literally is scraping the bottom of the barrel. But it doesn't get any worse than this. We all know The Raid, right? The Raid is probably the the apex of action films within the last couple of years. Gareth Evans, of course, is uh, being involved with The Raid Redemption. And um, get this, I kid you not, they want to remake The Raid, but for the U.S. And it looks like The Expendables 3's Patrick Hughes has been rumored to be involved with this story. Obviously, the original Raid film followed a DEA team trapped in a tenement run by a drug lord, of course, fighting off his assassins and personal army. Now, we are go- they want to remake this for the U.S. Why would you do that? The Raid is a standalone, amazing action film. The Raid Redemption is, is, is the same thing. And if you want to get literal... The, the, the American version of the raid was Dread. Thank you, Val. I agree. When you, when you watch Dread, Dread is in essence the raid. So the fact that you want to redo that movie for American audiences instead of just leaving it alone is, is, of, is of great concern because the raid is a standalone action masterpiece. If you love martial arts films, movies with excessive violence, you need to see the raid. If you haven't seen it, you can probably pick it up on Amazon for less than 10 bucks. I kid you not. It's that good. 
MTV released their nominees for the 2014 MTV Movie Awards, which will be taking place April 13th. Get this. Some of the categories are pretty paint-by-numbers, and some of the movies that are nominated are expected. But I figured you guys would want to know either way. Uh, Movie of the Year, the nominees are 12 Years a Slave, American Hustle, The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and The Wolf of Wall Street. Best Female Performance nominees, Amy Adams for American Hustle, Jennifer Aniston for We're the Millers, Sandra Bullock for Gravity, Jennifer Jennifer Lawrence, excuse me, for The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and Lupita Nyong'o for 12 Years a Slave. Best Male Performance nominees, they got Bradley Cooper, not shocked, Leonardo DiCaprio, who may actually win an award for once, uh, Tweetel Ejiofor for 12 Years a Slave, Josh Hutcherson for The Hunger Games, and Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club. We all know the MT Movie Awards are are a shill and aren't aren't shouldn't be taken seriously, but they got a couple of decent nominations. Uh, breakthrough Performance, uh, Liam James for The Way Way Back, Michael B. Jordan for Fruitvale Station, uh, Will Poulter for We're the Millers, Margot Robbie for The Wolf of Wall Street, and Miles Teller for The Spectacular Now. Now, here's where we start getting into the uh, the more random awards. Best Kissed, of course. Um, Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Adams for American Hustle. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Scarlett Johansson and Don John. Uh, James Franco, Ashley Benson, and Vanessa Hudgens for Spring Breakers. Not shocked that's in there. Uh, Shalene Woodley and Miles Teller for The Spectacular Now. Emma Roberts, Jennifer Aniston, and Will Poulter for We're the Millers are your nominees for Best Kiss. Uh, Best Fight Sequence, Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, Um, Identity Thief, uh, Jason Bateman and Melissa McCarthy, The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog, Orlando Bloom and Evangeline Lilly versus The Orcs, Jennifer Lawrence and Josh Hutcherson and Sam Claflin versus The Mutant Monkeys for The Hunger Games, and Jonah Hill versus James Franco and Seth Rogen from This Is The End. Best Comedic Performance nominations, Kevin Hart for Ride Along, Jonah Hill for The Wolf on Wall Street, Johnny Knoxville for Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa, which I wouldn't be shocked if he wins that, Uh, Melissa McCarthy for The Heat, and Jason Sudeikis for We Are the Millers. Best Scared as Shit Performance. Now we're getting ridiculous. Rose Byrne for Insidious Chapter 2, Jessica Chastain for Mama, Vera Farmiga for The Conjuring, Ethan Hawke for The Purge, and Brad Pitt for World War Z. Now, listen to what I to the nominations I just read. All movies that came out recently, except World War Z. World War Z, I feel it has been out for the longest time, and it's being nominated for Best Scared as Shit Performance. I think they just wanted to fill in uh, a movie that had some sort of a big-name star attached to it. Who knows? Uh, best on-screen duo, Amy Adams and Christian Bale for American Hustle. Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club. Vin Diesel and Paul Walker for Fast and Furious 6, which I wouldn't doubt is probably going to win it. Ice Cube and Kevin Hart for Ride Along and Jonah Hill and Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio for The Wolf of Wall Street. Now, here's where we get into the real, real silly nominations. Best Shirtless Performance. uh, What the Fuck Moment. Best Villain. Has a couple of awesome nominees. Uh, Barkhad Abdi for Captain Phillips. Benedict Cumberbatch for Star Trek Into Darkness. Michael Fassbender for 12 Years a Slave. 
Mila Kunis for Oz the Great and Powerful. Why is that even being considered? Because again, another movie that feels like it's been out forever. Donald Sutherland for The Hunger Games, Catching Fire. Uh, Best Hero, Henry Cavill as Clark Kent. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man in Iron Man 3. Martin Freeman as Bilbo Baggins. Chris Hemsworth as Thor. And Channing Tatum as John Cale in White House Down. I kid you not. Terrible. Completely, completely terrible. Deadline is reporting that Idris Elba has signed on for director John Favreau's upcoming live-action adaptation of The Jungle Book, which I talked about in last week's show. Uh, it looks like Idris Elba will be voicing Shere Khan. Of course, Shere Khan was the villainous tiger from the animated film. The original book was, of course, written by author Rupier, uh, excuse me, uh, Rudyard Kipling and was first published in 1894. Of course, it follows the story of Mowgli, who was raised by wolves and grows up among the animals in the jungle. So it looks like this particular film will be using uh, live action for pretty much everything. And Idris Elba will be voicing Shere Khan. So there you have it. And yes, Val, the inferior Olympus has fallen knockoff is up for a nomination in the MTV Movie Awards. I'm not shocked in the least. Anyway. In some reboot news, Zorro is getting a reboot. Why? I don't know. I feel that Antonio Banderas is pretty much the gold standard when it comes to Zorro, but he is also the gold standard for Puss in Boots, but let's not split hairs here. Anyway, they're looking to do it based on a novel by Isabel Allende. It was a mock biography of Zorro, and it looks like they're going to be using that as the source material for the Zorro reboot last but not least you know it's uh <laughs> indeed indeed thank you slick for catching that last but not least i'm sure slick is going to be very happy about this the fx the fx network has announced that they will be renewing archer for not one season but two seasons the upcoming season six and seven for the show will each feature 13 episodes and will take the show through 2016 so there you have it. Season five of the show is currently airing on Monday and the fin- on Mondays, excuse me, and the finale will be airing on April 21st. Last bit of movie news to close things out is the, f- which obviously shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. The last of us looks to make the jump to the big screen. It looks like they will be working with screen gem. Uh, Naughty dog will be working with screen gems to bring a live action feature film adaptation to the big screen Uh, Neil Druckmann will write the screenplay and shepherd the project along with Naughty Dog co-presidents Evan Wells and Christoph Balestra. Game director Bruce Staley and Sam Raimi, as well as his Ghost House Pictures team, will be involved in bringing The Last of Us to the big screen. So, obviously, with the the very, very uh, depressing story of The Last of Us, it, it has the potential to be a solid film, but... I will go with what Slick has to say, that they'll probably make it PG-13, and that's why it's going to (laughs) suck. There you have it, folks. But we'll see what's going to happen. Obviously, Naughty Dog is going to have a big hand in this. The big news is, will Sam Raimi direct it? That's that's the big news. Will Sam Raimi lend his talents to bringing The Last of Us to the big screen? As of right now, I don't have all the answers, but as soon as I get them, I will definitely share it with you guys. 
Uh, Val says that they should have had Guillermo del Toro direct it. You know, I think he would have definitely done a very, very unique interpretation of The Last of Us. But who knows? Sam Raimi is good for this kind of stuff. I'm sure he may try to add some comedic elements, a la Evil Dead. We'll see what happens. But I'm sure we won't be hearing anything about The Last of Us for the big screen, at least right now, probably in the planning phase. I'm sure that they'll probably start hearing something more concrete within the next year or so. So there you have it. The Last of Us is coming to the big screen, and that actually is the last bit of news for this week's entertainment segment. So with that said, let's take it home, shall we? Ugh, too much monster is making me stutter, and it's making me talk way too quick. So I think it's time to wrap wrap things up. See? There you go. Anyway. You've just heard My Take Radio's episode uh, 218th episode, excuse me, for Thursday, March 6, 2014. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio or are interested in writing for MyTakeRadio.com, you can email me at mtrhost at MyTakeRadio.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. And, of course, you can also add us to your circles on Google+, follow our boards on Pinterest. You can always follow me on Instagram, MyTakeRadio underscore Rich. And last but not least, for the best and most complete MyTakeRadio experience, pick up the official MyTakeRadio app for Android, iOS, and Windows devices. For Android, you can go to the Amazon Marketplace and pick it up for $1.99. You can also go to iTunes for iOS devices and the Windows Store for Windows 8 and Windows mobile devices. Obviously, if you don't want to use the app, you can always find archived episodes of My Take Radio on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, and you can catch video reruns on the GFQ network. All right, time to take it out. I figure this week we should go with maybe... I'm thinking we're going to go with uh, the Heroes and Villains soundtrack from ocremix.org and I figured we should probably go out with uh, Simon Belmont's The Prodigal Son's Re- the, the Prodigal Son Returns available like I said on the Heroes and Villains soundtrack the artist is Mustin M U S T I N and you can get the Heroes and Villains soundtrack from ocremix.org the letter o the letter c remix.org I'll catch you guys next week Thank you all for tuning in as always and see you guys Thursday.